Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 129. I'm Graham, I'm here with Luke, Richie, and Cody, and we got Harry Hendricks uh, on today, who I'm going to let Luke sort of introduce. Um, I know he's got an XJ, or he had an XJ, I don't know if he still does. I know he's from Connecticut? Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, and yeah, Luke, take it away, I'm, I'm going to well, butcher it otherwise. He's just an OG. He's been wheeling for, he was one of the few, or the first large rigs I got to see when I got into wheeling, and I dragged Kish into wheeling. Um, So, I met him through SIS, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Um, And, anyways, Harry, nice to have you on. Um, How'd you get into all this stuff? Yeah, so, happy to be here. Um... Yeah, so I, I guess uh, as a kid, I've I just always sort of uh, interested in things with wheels and moving parts and stuff like that, but not necessarily like cars as much. Um, <clears throat> I always just thought, uh, you know, the fact that you could put a vehicle in some other mode that would make it so that you could drive it through some sort of terrain that it couldn't otherwise do was sort of intriguing. And I always just thought that was really cool how it worked. And the fact that it just sort of like opened up this other possibility of things that you could do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of always had that spirit as a kid. Um, neither of my parents were really like car people or anything really per se. So um, I kind of had, I kind of sought it out on my own. And, uh, I had, uh, one of my friends in, in high school, uh, had a, he actually had a two door, four cylinder, five speed Cherokee. And, uh, it just had like stock sized BFG all terrains and, um, like American racing, like aluminum wheels or whatever. And like, that was, it was completely stock and like, but it was just like, and, oh, and he had like a little grill guard on it with like some lights. And I was just like, this thing is so cool. I want a a Jeep. Like, I got to have a Jeep. And, you know, it's like, I got a couple cars from my parents, and they were kind of beaters, and they didn't last very long. And, like, and it was like, all right. And, you know, it's like things just kind of came together. And, uh, you know, I saved up a little bit of money because I was hoping that I would be able to kind of make that happen and just kind of happened. And so went out and bought a, a 97 Cherokee. This was, I think, 2005. And it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, 97, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's fine. I've heard mixed, mixed things about them that there's a, that's like this weird, they've all got their problems, thing. right? This oh, every yeah. year has, has its own quirk. Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. <laughs> um, and, uh, so yeah, 2005. And then, so then it's like, you know, I'm, I have no knowledge of how to do anything. Uh, it's like this, it, it's, it's like a mate, late model used car at this point, you know, it's got like 118,000 miles on it, zero rust, the air conditioning works. Like it was like a pretty nice car. It was like four grand or whatever back in 2005. So I was like, this thing is awesome. And of course, you know, then it's like, I'm not, I'm like trying to put more lights on it and trying to figure out how to just put like different wheels on it. And my parents don't get it. And, but they're like, yeah, okay, do whatever, you know, do what you got to do. And, uh, <laughs> And, and like, it was just like this, it was like the sort of quintessential high school kid Jeep Cherokee with like, a, you know, black Krager wheels and like some lights on the roof bar, like in a grill guard with lights and big hella 500s and shit like that. And I was just driving around thinking I was cool, driving over <laughs> snow banks and shit like that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I got to so, hop in here. You just, 
Yeah, right. yeah. The Hella 500s are such a core memory right? from that vintage. Right. I had to go out and buy a set to put on my shitbox now because, like, at this point, they're actually retro. I was going to so, say, where, can you even buy them anymore? You <laughs> can buy the, um, they're not the 500s anymore. They call them, like, the Rally Series, but they okay. look identical. Okay. And they come with the stupid Hella caps and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was like some Walmart. You just walk in, 60 bucks, you walk out with a couple of Hella 500s. It's like the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, I had like I had like eight of them on my Jeep at one point. It was ridiculous. Like oh my God. I should oh, I should dude. dig through and send you guys some pictures later on. Like it's gone through so many evolutions. Like I built this roof rack for it. It had like all just like just all the I built a spare tire carrier for it. Just like all this stuff. It might and, not be uh, the five hundreds. It's the uh, the big the eight inch ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, the hell the five hundreds. I think are the six inch ones. Yeah, yeah. They I were got just the, like cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, they're just like such a old school look at this point. It's hilarious yeah. to see them because everyone's running light bars now. So like, yeah, those little pods and all the right LEDs, whatever the hell no, you can like, bolt on. I was something made me think about hell of five hundred somewhat recently and i was like man i wonder if you can even buy those anymore because now it's like you walk into <laughs> harbor freight or walmart or whatever and it's everything's just, yeah like you guys said it's just like led pods or led light bars and like that's just everything now there's nobody yeah, does anything with halogen why would you do anything with halogen at this point but um, uh because you're not very smart and you wanted a set of floodlights that will bolt to the bumper and when you smash them into something you're not going to feel too bad because it's like a hundred bucks for a pair <laughs> You can get some pretty cheap, uh, pretty cheap LEDs if you if you want to, though. Yeah, but it doesn't have the same like. It sure doesn't. Vibe. It sure does not. It sure does not. So, uh, um, so in, in high school, my same buddy that had the the two door Cherokee, he was like, "I want a Wrangler. I want a Wrangler." So he gets a Wrangler. It basically, does all the same exact things to it. It's got stock size BFGs with some alloy wheels and. Kelly Gary Casey highlights all over it, and we just like go out and like get our jeep stuck in the mud or whatever in the wood. There's no rocks in upstate New York, like so. It's just like you know, I lived at like there's apple orchards all over the place, or like just people that we know that had like property with trails through it or whatever, and we'd go drive around in the mud and get stuck. And and it's like after a while, we were you know neither one of our parents were like super keen on that. So uh, so he was like my my buddy's dad was like you know what I need something to plow the driveway. So he found this this YJ, it was like an eighty something. So it had the the four two in it, and uh, like that awful carburetor, whatever those things have, you know, just <laughs> ran like absolute dog shit. It really did not ever run right. And we just, and so we just put, it had like a Dana 35 in the back. We didn't, we didn't even know anything about lockers, welding diffs, anything like that. It was just all stock, everything. We just put like some 31 inch LTBs on it and just, <laughs> just beat the shit out of that thing in the woods. And we had, so, you know, we like went to Harbor Freight, bought the $300 winch, bolted it on the front. And we just went in the woods and we would just beat the balls off that thing. And we had so much fun with it. And, uh, and then, uh, I, I don't know why it even happened, but we came across this rotted out J10 and then we tried to, well, we did, we put a, the, the 360 and 727 out of the J10 to the beast. That's what we called it. Cause that, I guess that's what you call it. You know, it's like people drive around with the beast written on the side of their, their, you know, hood it or have chocolate nuts. Yeah. please tell me it had chocolate nuts. So it's like. 
So no, it did not say B side. So so we put the 360 in and it like that never really ran right either. Well, they and never do. They're they're such just, junky. It, yeah, right. It was just them. like it, like looking back now, uh, I'm just like, oh my god, what <laughs> were we doing? Like we had no idea what we were doing <laughs> at all. So that was just and and and, and it was honestly it was kind of the same thing. We just went out in the woods, beat the balls off it. It would overheat, and then we'd let it cool down and start it back up. We go beat the balls off it's more, and uh, and that was that was kind of it. We just did that. Um, I think it's still around. I think he said he sold it a few years ago and some kid bought it and was going to like fix all the shit that we did wrong on it. You know, it's Ram. like, this is just like thinking about like, <laughs> was it a yellow what? one? Please tell me it was yellow. No, it was, uh, it was silver. Oh, thank you. Uh, that would be funny. <laughs> it would have been even better if he said, I mean, I know the one I've got is beat. So just, I don't, I don't think it would have been beat. Uh, it had to have been babied at one point in its life, otherwise it'd be gone, Ren, right now. Sure. No. Sure. Right. If it's, uh, if it's survived this long, somebody cared about it for at least a little while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I just... It was the perfect timing, because Graham got... I can't remember if his is a J10 or a J20. It's a 20. It was like two years ago, so, you know, possibly yep. would have fit in. And yep. it came from New York. <laughs> it did. Oh, no, no. The truck was, was done after we... We took the drivetrain and everything out of it and sent it off to scrap. So no, it was definitely not that truck. All right. Well, those are cool. Those are cool trucks, though, man. They really are. Yeah, yeah. They just people always ask what it is. They're like, "What is that?" Right. It's a Jeep. Actually, it is. It is ridiculous how often at gas stations you got bothered on our journey to. Oh, I know. It's insane. Every old guy's like, "Whoa, what's that?" She wore those in forever. Yeah. Or, My you know, grandfather's. Some, it's all the same canned yeah. comments, but they're all. It's still fun to get them, right? You're like, "Yep, I got a piece of shit old truck that barely runs, but it's you cool. probably had to stop at a gas station every 180 miles or whatever." Uh-huh. So there was plenty yeah, of that. Your tank is <laughs> tiny. At, like for the as big of a truck as it is, it's got a tiny right. little gas tank. It's got right. maybe as much fuel as my Cherokee, and it uses about twice as much of it. So. Yep. Yeah, typical. Yeah, I'm not saying they were the best engineered vehicles, but they were. Oh no, cool. not at all. But they're cool. That's all that matters. I think the same could be said about the XJ, though. Well, Sorry better, to keep interrupting. It's, it's a lot better. It's a lot better than those, though. Yes, uh, I mean, there was a little more thought put into those. I think the J20 was just a J10, J20 Wagoneers, all that stuff. It's just sort of like it's a body. Now fill it with the shit that it needs to run and drive and right and deal with the issues later. Right. Right. So you, was that the same XJ that became the, you only had one XJ, right? The one and only. Okay. So <laughs> how did you end up in Connecticut and how did it end up being what it became? Yeah. So, then I went to, uh, you know, graduated college, and then that was my daily driver in college for four years. And um, and I did, again, all the, the stupid things that you do when you don't know anything and don't have any money, which is, like, you know, lift it, like, a half an inch at a time, and then, like, decide that, like, the back needs another half inch, and then, like, the front needs another half an inch to match that. And it's just, like, it's just, like, you're just absolutely wasting time like it's just a gigantic waste of time like i probably had the leaf packs apart on that thing like a dozen times like my buddy his dad was a gm mechanic and he just had these pile of leaf springs so i would like go 
through and like just cut like oh like oh this one looks kind of good <laughs> like cut it out and like <laughs> you just find a big long socket head cap screw bolt it back through and say oh it's a little high now all right take it back apart take that one out try a different like just like gigantic waste of time to get like dialed the suspension height in by like half an inch or whatever just like so i farted around for four years in college doing stupid shit like that because i didn't have any money and uh and then um, I graduated, and when I graduated college, I got uh, I I got an O3 Focus, just like a hatchback two door five speed. It was a great little car. And then it was like game on with the Cherokee. It was like okay, now I can actually do something with this that I don't now that I don't have to rely on it. So for about a year and a half, I worked in Rochester, New York, um, at thurston uh, mechanical i think they are now it was pnd thurston at the time they're small small little mechanical contracting company that's kind of where i learned a lot about welding and fabrication and you know just that whole kind of world of working with metal and things like that and uh yeah. were you learning yeah. all the stuff that you don't learn with the degree yeah yeah right and uh, you know i have this conversation with a lot of people that just don't know because they don't have engineering degrees or whatever but engineering degrees do not teach you anything practical whatsoever and that's that's not necessarily criticism because that, that's not what it's supposed to do you're i think they just they just expect that you're going to learn the practical stuff on the job the 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 engineering degree is for teaching you all of the the math and the theory and the science and everything behind it so that you have a little bit more context of of why things are the way they are Yep. And uh, to be honest like, with you, yeah. unless you like go work at NASA or like you're like a really, really, uh, you know, I don't know, person at, you know, an aerospace company or something that's like designing parts of jet engines, you probably don't use a 99% of what you learn, learn in engineering school. But that's a whole other thing. I won't digress on that. Um, uh, I've got to, I got to hop in there real quick. I have met more people because I work on the opposite side. I'm doing tool and die yep. that think that they have practical understanding of the way something works because they have a degree. Uh, the company I work for now likes to hire uh, freshly graduated people. Yeah. And there is a major learning curve to both sides of it. Sure. And it's very, very funny to watch reality come in, if you will. Um, yep. On the other hand, though, I have so much to learn about the reason why certain stuff does what it does. Yep. Um, I just have the experience of it does this, so therefore I have to figure out how to prevent it from doing this. Sure. Sorry. It, it's it's so important to have as much of both sides as you can. It really is. And and again, this is like a whole conversation that's not necessarily for this podcast, but I it's like... To me, there is a glaring hole in the middle. Like, like everywhere yeah. I've ever worked, there's just this glaring hole where all the people that are in the machine shop are super good at that, and then all the engineers sit and and work on SolidWorks all day, and they're super good at that. And then, like, it, 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 a lot of the times, you know, they get to know each other and they work together or whatever. But it's just like there's just this big hole in the middle, and I don't, I don't understand why there isn't why there isn't more of like a, a job market for jobs like that. It's just like, it's, it's strange to me. Like it's just this thing that's just like big and out in the open. And like, it, it just kind of doesn't get addressed. Like all the positions that I've had 
in the last few years where I kind of am that middle person where I'm like, you know, I can sit on SolidWorks and design something, but then I can also go out and talk to a machinist about, you know, exactly how the details and practical issues with making whatever it is I want to make and we can work through it. But like, um, it, it, it's, it's like, it took me some work and some time to find those kinds of jobs. Like they're, and they're, yeah, and they're it, it actually, it seems like when, an employer that's looking for that person finds you, they're like, oh my God, we've been looking for somebody like you forever. We just keep getting these guys that have done nothing but stare at a computer screen for their whole career. And yeah. But I'm like, wh where, like, but th it's like hard to find those jobs too. So it's just a weird thing. So this is the Tangent Off-Road Podcast. So don't feel bad about that at all. But uh, okay. so I have been actively searching for that type of job down here. And I kind of have been struggling with that because it's a very hard thing to market, right? Uh, it is. I, it I is. have an understanding, like I can open AutoCAD and pull up, you know, a SolidWorks file and pull the dimensions out of it and maybe make a couple of changes to the dimensions sure. and be like, hey, this is what I want to do. I want to thicken the bracket up by a quarter of an inch because X, Y, Z. Yep. But that's not something that you can just go and put on a resume due to practical apply experience. And um, working on the Jeep stuff has actually been a massive boost to my career because I've had to like, it's given me so much more opportunity to be the engineer behind something. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more with that, with that whole idea. So like you get to see what works and what doesn't work. And yep. then if you take what you learn doing that and you go into the work world, if you will, yep. um, and you treat it the same way, you can get really far with it. It's just not something that's easy to put into words on paper for a job application. Yep. Um, you know, and coming from the engineering side, I got to imagine it's just as hard as coming from the manufacturing side right. to try and bridge that gap. Anyways, yep. sorry for tangenting, but, you know, it's what we do. No, no. You know, and you know what? The last... Um... Actually, I think every job interview I've had, to some extent, the fact that like this is you know sort of what I do when I'm not working, has uh, I at least like bring it up or I have just like it's like a one liner at the bottom of my resume or whatever. And I, every person that's ever interviewed me has asked about it, and everyone that's ever hired me has said the fact that you seek out doing stuff like that on your own is was a definitely a contributing factor to why I chose to hire you. So and and it it absolutely is like. Because when you're out there in the driveway or your garage by yourself and something's not going the way that you thought it was going to, it's really not on anybody else but you to figure no. out how to make it happen. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> like, that, but, but that is a real, like, that is, how, that is when you really do the most learning. And even, yeah. even if you go and you call your buddy or you get online or whatever and you, you kind of do a little, you step back and, and you got to kind of call in some help or whatever. But like the fact that like you got stuck and then you kind of like pushed through it like that, that is where you, that's really how you learn how to like get, get to where you want to go with things. And it's sort of like you, it, after a while, after you do that enough times, you're like, well, you know, I'm, I, you know, I mean, I, I can't imagine even five years ago, like being, well, I guess at this point, it's my, my buggy has been done for two years, but when I started my buggy, I can't imagine at five years before that point thinking that I was going to build a buggy. Like, like mm -hmm. that would have just been like a, a an anxiety-inducing 
like yeah. super stressful idea. Like, and that's basically, and more or less, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors, but that's part of why my Cherokee just went along as long as it did is that I was just like, it's working. Uh, and I'm just going to keep using it until I see a reason not to. So, so on that note, uh, another person that comes in around this time period would be Buffalo Bill. You remember him? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Phil lives in Fairfield. I see him. He's got a, he doesn't have that silver one anymore. He's got a, it's still like a, a, an old body style Cherokee with like, uh, you know, the, the TJ Moab wheels and like some 32s and probably like, you know, like a three or four inch lift and Hunter green or that kind of like sparkly dark green, whatever. Yeah. That's just like, he just drives it around Fairfield. I see him every once in a while and wave at him or I see him in the grocery store or whatever. He's a great dude. He uh, really great guy. <laughs> really good guy. Gunsmithing. And really? I put, yes. Um, I put a line at the bottom of my resume about that. And then I put a good bit about like learning how to bend tube and whatnot. Um, so those two things have gotten me more questions on yep. every job interview I've ever gone on. Yep. Um, Cause at this point, like I'm building custom AKs uh, and whatnot. Uh, those things have gotten me more questions and more time spent than the entire rest of the resume. Sure. Uh, yep. The only other thing that comes close is the 3d printing experience. It's sure. well, but that's, again, that's, that's, it's the type of thing where you got to work through some problems and it's also kind of relevant to the field that you're in. So exactly. Uh, so yeah. Uh, I suppose that we could go back to your XJ and I've got a funny little anecdote about how you almost got me beat. Uh, by my dad. So when oh I first met you, I was probably 16 or 17 at the time. Oh my God. Were you that young? I was that young. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I, I didn't, I don't, I don't know if I realized that you were that young or appreciated that you were that young. Cause I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm telling you all the stupid shit that I did when I was like 20 yeah. and it was even stupider when I was 16. Like, you know, nobody can talk <laughs> to you. Nobody can tell you anything. Yes, you have to just learn some hard lessons by yourself. But anyway, go ahead. Now, some of the stupid shit that I was asking makes a lot more sense. But so I remember walking in and I think I had agreed to buy your Super Swampers, your 8.8 and a bunch of other stuff. And I told my dad this because I had that black Cherokee after I had like destroyed my 88 Cherokee. And my okay. dad got so fucking mad because I was going to buy your beat old swampers and that welded 8.8. He told me that if I bought that welded 8.8 that I could just start packing my shit and move the fuck out. Wow. Because I'm going to kill myself because I can't drive good. Wow. That's odd. Well... <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, well, I mean, he wasn't completely wrong. You can't drive good. Well, I mean, this this would have been your only vehicle, I'm presuming, when you were 16. It was my only vehicle at that point in time. So, um, yeah, I can imagine that, that if I was talking to my 16-year-old kid and I saw that he wanted to buy a welded rear and some clapped-out swampers for his daily driver, I would probably yeah. feel a very strong need to impress on them that they that was a very, very bad idea. Um <laughs> He was scared because with my 88, I had spun it out um, during that massive blizzard that we got in the October storm. And I had to have him come and pull me out because I was being dumb and trying to show off. 
And that was right in that time period where Uh I got the other XJ and I was starting to modify it. And that's right about when, so that was fresh on his mind because like cops were involved in all that other fun stuff. Uh Yeah. Well, okay. So, I mean, I I, got to admit, you know, I'm 35 at this point, but, uh, and I have a kid now and I'm, I, maybe I would have worded it differently than your dad, but uh, I, I'm, I'm with your dad on this one as far as his, his stance on the matter. Uh, he wasn't wrong. I'm not yeah, going right. to say he was wrong. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to say is I probably shouldn't have told him at nine o'clock on a Friday night after like he got back in from, you know, I think he came in from Maryland because he's an aircraft mechanic. Oh, so, sure. Like, yeah, right. Drop that on him right at nine o'clock after he's been driving <laughs> for four hours. Exactly, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I remember, though, just, like, watching that transformation that was going on. And, like, Richie can probably attest to this. I was, like, glued to the computer screen watching for updates between you and Nickel Dick. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, who? What in <laughs> the fuck? Matt, Matt DeNicola. He was... Oh. Very active in, oh. in uh, the SIS crowd at that during that time. Yeah, I got nervous. Uh, you're gonna tell me his name was actually Nickel Dick. The no, Nickel Dick. I have, yeah, who knows where that name came from? Um, it. He was another character, man. He was something else. I I see him a couple times a year. Um, he's still got his Cherokee. It's got 37 if, reds on it and tons and it's if just kind of. Tell him that I said hi. I will. I will do that. We keep trying to get him to go wheeling because that thing's just sitting there. Just, I'm. Sh- I haven't actually been to his new house, but from what I gather, it's just kind of sitting there, sad, and not that wheeling. That is very sad because I remember. Uh, we are getting ahead of ourselves here. All right, so back to your Cherokee. Let's actually get that story. Yeah, going yeah, yeah. Let's before. finish up that whole thing. So, um. Uh, kind of on the same vein as uh, you know why I said why why I live in Fairfield and everything that I do, you know, or just in Connecticut generally um, is so uh, Molly and uh, Reed, Reed Dennis. I I think I'm sure you you at least have an idea who he is, right? Oh yeah, I know yeah, who okay. Reed is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'd known Molly my whole life. Like we went to kindergarten together, literally kindergarten. So. Um, we, I got to know Reed because she would, uh, he would come home like with Molly during the summer, like vacations and stuff like that. And, uh, so I got to know him and they, they graduated the same college the same year that I did. And so while I was kind of back, just working in Rochester, doing this sort of like, you know, mix between CAD and welding and installing stuff in the field and all that, uh, he, he, uh, from somebody that they knew from college got a job at Pratt Whitney as a, uh, it was like at an outsourced company saying so it's like one of those companies that like, you know, you don't work directly for Pratt Whitney, but it's, it's you, you basically, you go there, you sit at Pratt in their offices every day and work, do work for Pratt Whitney all day. But it's just, it's, you know, some weird, you know, it's like this like contract just, work almost or yes. Yeah. So the, the word isn't contracting, it's outsourcing. Gotcha. And it's this important distinction for legal reasons that a contractor sits on site and can only be uh, do that for two years before they have to do something else. And outsourcing is technically like you're breaking off a very de- de- well-defined chunk of work and handing it over the wall 
and uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of. I'm not a you know expert on all that. I had to deal with it somewhat, but but it's the same idea though. For all intents and purposes, you consider me. You could consider him a contractor at that point. So they uh, he was in the process engineering group and um, the manager for the design engineering group was looking for people and they were like, Oh, Hey, we know somebody who just graduated with an engineering degree. So I called him another example of, uh, he just asked me what kind of work I was doing now. And I just explained to him that, you know, it's like, I have to go into a chemical plant and figure out how to run a pipe or, you know, design some bracket that's hold up some boiler that's falling down or whatever. And he was just kind of like, yep. Okay. Sounds good. I'll talk to my HR manager and we'll get this ball rolling. So like, he just needed to hear that. I was, you know, just doing something other than like, I don't know, whatever, playing video games and then sitting in my parents' basement or something like that. And and so that was it. And uh um so then I moved out here uh in October of twenty eleven and I lived with Molly and Reed until uh, like the summer of twenty eighteen, kind of around there. So they moved three times, I moved with them great great uh whatever was that is seven years or so yeah so yeah what a great seven years but uh <laughs> we had uh <laughs> reed and i when we first they they just had like a, you know before i came out they just had this normal duplex that they lived in and uh reed had his yj and his van again and they he would just kind of tinker on that or whatever and it wasn't a big deal and, and then i moved out and i'm like all right we gotta have a place to work on this stuff and so we find it was just, just the weirdest thing it was like this guy who was living in New York, but had this house in Chester and it had this two car garage behind it. And we like rented the garage for like a couple hundred bucks a month. And it was like the most rickety old, you know, like 1850s barn garage. Oh, it's just like, it's just the stupid shit you do. And, yeah. uh, and, and we, so we did that. And I, I actually did the three link in my Cherokee in that, that garage. And it was absolutely awful. And, uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, so now I'm out in Connecticut. I've got the, I think at that point, I while I worked in Rochester, I had done the all the stupid things that you do at Dana 30, like put a truss on it and, you know, put a, um, I don't remember what else I did. You just all the, put a locker in it. I put the 8-8 the eight, eight in. All that's the one that I was going to apparently sell to you. I completely forgot about that. Um, I did all that out in Rochester, and then I towed it out here. And uh, did some work in that garage. And then um, basically the summer of 2012, I don't know if I've ever wheeled as much as I have in, in that year. Uh, maybe I have. I probably have, but um, it was a lot. And I had I had my Suburban and I had my open trailer and I just wheeled and wheeled and wheeled. It was mostly at Roush, but I did my I bell. I about the burbs. Oh, you and Kim, I did it. Such a great tow rig. I wish... I, I I don't maybe tow rigs will come up later, but man, I if I could go back and tell my 2011 self something now, I would say skip everything that you are going to do tow rig wise. <laughs> Just get a bourbon, <laughs> a suburban, and the open trailer until you're ready to go to the diesel with the the enclosed trailer. Don't fart around with anything else in between. Save your money. It's all this other stuff. But anyway, that excellent tow. What a great tow rig. Four wheel drive. <laughs> You lay your sleeping bag out in the back. Half the time, I didn't even take my tools and spare parts out of it because I was driving my Focus every day. You know, I bought it for like three grand, and it's like got nine miles to the gallon. It's like, what more do you want from a tow rig that's three grand? It's so <laughs> it's like a super Swiss Army knife of a vehicle. But anyway, so I was going to Roush all the time, and uh, you know, I had 
talked about where I, I was just breaking down to 30 shafts like it was my job and I knew I didn't want to spend money on chromos and all this stuff, and I thought about putting Dana 44 in and then decided not to do that, blah, 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 blah. You're very smart for that, by the way. It's, 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 it's a trap that it seems like everybody like tro- at least almost falls into, and some people actually do fall so, into it. But it, I would it, it's... Be... So I bought Denickel Dick's old uh, 44, right? And I thought that was going to be a great idea. I had more money in that fucking Dana 44 yep. than I have in my Super Duty tons now. Yep. Still. Yep. And I'm breaking Super Duty tons, not left and right, but like at least twice a season I'm breaking something on that axle. Do you have chromos in it? Nope. Yeah, so stock shafts and... Yeah, that's that's that sounds about right. But still, the, I... I completely know exactly what you mean. And believe me, like I had gone as far as like, I think I bought uh, a locker for Dana 44 that I saw cheap use somewhere. Cause like, that was my plan. I was 100% going to do that. And uh, so I broke his Detroit. Yeah. Like I shattered the Detroit on 35 stickies. Yeah. Yeah. What did you have? Did you have some Maxis or something? No, I got a set of General Grabber race program tires after oh. I left SIS, um, okay. and they were terrible, like absolutely literally abysmal. after leaving SIS. Yeah, um, so it broke the front Detroit. So like I cobbled that back together and all, whatever. Um, and I could break stub shafts on command with that yep. thing. I was bright. I went through eight sets of lockouts. And when I say sets, I mean like 16 total yes, lockouts. Right. 16 lockouts. Um, hmm. I broke a stub at one point and it blew out the air. When it broke the stub, it broke the lockout, but it also like locked up inside and twisted <sighs> over itself. So it blew the spindle out. On yep. a early Bronco axle, nice. When it blew that out, it blew the bearing apart. Oh, so my like, God. where were what? you? Richie's backyard. Okay, all right. <laughs> I was afraid you're gonna say like Roush or something, and then it's like, oh, no. fuck. I was in Richie's backyard, so it got like left in the parking lot there because we dragged it out with his tractor. Yep. Um, yep. and it just sat there until I got the parts. But it was just like, dude, I was $3,000 into that fucking axle. Yeah. Yep. I bought my I, Super Duty tons for 400 bucks, And, yep. like, I got my gears on sale through, like, Chad Bartley and all that stuff. And I bought my truss and everything. And I think I'm still at, like, 22 between the two axles. Yeah. I, I, I And and that's the thing, is that in reality... uh like you know you're making it work with with stock shafts on a dana 60 which is it, you know i mean it's probably not that much money to upgrade to chromos if you really decided you wanted to do it but um it's just it's one of those things where if it's working much- for you there's no reason to mess with it like if and it's it, and it's not like to your point you know like you said it's not like you're breaking them on command yeah i can don't get me wrong, I can break them on command, but I know what the limit is, and... and it's, right. Um, 
for me to go and get another set of 04 stock axles, even down here, I can get the pair for 150 bucks. Yeah. Ready to slap in. So it's yep. like, it's, I think it was like six pairs, uh, compares to the cost of one set of full chromalis. And it's like, man, I break this or I break a stub shaft every six months. Fuck it. Whatever. Like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, I also don't have stickies. I've got Nitto 40 inch DOTs. But, right, right, right. You know, it, it's been cool. Um, I know that there is a hard pill to swallow coming soon. Um, I was talking with Katrina. Katri yeah, I can't Katrini? pronounce it. Katrini. Um, he keeps saying Curtini. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that came from. It's just like you calling Ayashua, Ayashua, or whatever the fuck you <laughs> Ayusa? say. Ayusa? Ayusa. <laughs> uh, but I was talking with him about getting a set of stickies, and when I do go stickies, it's going to be 2000 bucks for the tires for a set of used stickies, and then another you know $1,000 in axle shafts. But it is what it is. That's just yep. the next yep. step. Yep, yep. Sorry but, for another tangent. No, it's okay. But I mean, I'll tell you what, that was, there's, as far as my Jeep goes, um, the only other thing that I would say is even close is, is, you know, just doing the one tons on my Cherokee. Other than that, putting a third set of 39 reds on it, it was, it's like, there's, there was probably no bigger transformation that I've ever done to any vehicle ever than put a set of reds on it. Was it the set of reds or was it the set of tons? That was it's, the bigger it, transition. It, yeah, you know, I, as I was saying that, I was kind of trying to think because it's uh, it, it, it probably was the tons, and and I mean, it's it's sort of a catch twenty two, right? Because you can't have the reds without the tons. But um, yep, I yep. I would it's argue it's the tons, and the reason that I will continue to argue it was the tons under that rig. And that's coming from someone that was, you know, an observer on that rig is in the time that I wheeled with you and knew you watching the transition while you were on the Maxis creepy crawlies was interesting. Um, you really started to push the limits on the rig. Like, sure. I think it was you got the rig back from Dan with the cage and then we went to Ma Bell. Um and for oh, someone, I remember the I remember the day you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, for someone <laughs> that was or I'd wheeled with you one time before, you never laid into limiter as much as you laid into limiter then. I remember that day. It was it was there was this one spot and it was just like it was all greasy and uh I was I was debating on bringing this up, but Mike said that he really liked those tires for a DOT tire and I got to say I did I, I thought I had high expectations for those things. And I, I really, I really did not like them. I really did not. But uh, anyway, continue your story. Um, no, it was just one of those things, though, where like I was watching you throughout the day. I think that was the first day Richie rode with me. It was. It wasn't the first day, but no, it was I, one early days. I meant like to my bell. Um, no, it, it wasn't the first time, but it was one of the first times. Yeah. Um, so you started the day off really relaxed, if you will, like you weren't banging limiter. 
And then by the time that we got to Diff Dragger, you were like comfortable, if you will. Sure. And I'm not going to say what happened afterwards, but, you know, I think we did end up going all the way down to Zook. And uh, I'm not sure I even understood where the the limits were at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that was a massive thing. Um, and then, Oh, God, is that the day? No, that was a different day. Was that the day that, like, I ended was, up, like, one-wheel drive on the way out? Yes, that was the day the, the oh, drive shaft left I the chat. I had repressed that memory. That was that was a bad day. That was not a good day. <laughs> that was a hilarious day and a incredibly insightful day for young minds. Sure. Sure. Um because you can still break it after you put one tons under it. That was yes. the biggest takeaway that I had from that and then I melted a torque converter on the way home. Oh, good. Yeah, that's nice, too. Yeah, I crushed the return line somehow at Ma Bell that day. Um, and it melted my torque converter, so I bought Caleb's, like, 350,000-mile AW4 that had no reverse. Oh, and swapped God. that in. Um, <sighs> good times. Right. I was right. very smart back then. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you heard my story about taking, like, you know, I, there's probably days in my life where I had to leave packs apart in my Cherokee like three times in the same day. Yeah. Because like, I thought that was, that was you know, an efficient way to, to do things. So, yeah. No, yeah, no, well, anyways. We've all been there. Uh, so, then the next thing that comes to mind was the Roush trip. Uh, what was that? It was Operation Enduring Realness uh, 4 yep. or 5? I don't know which number it was. That was a fucking awesome trip. That was that was a good, that was a fun one. I remember that one. Um, that, was, that was the year I turned 18. Yes, and we were drinking moonshine in the pavilion. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 right. I turned 18 at Roush with you guys, Harry. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you were involved in the corruption of young minds. Uh, not so much you. I'm going to blame Caleb more, but <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, was it was it apple pie moonshine? It was. It was. Yeah, we were into that for a little while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny story about that. I moved to Tennessee, and now I'm the jackass that provides the apple pie moonshine. Um, but Excellent. I I remember that because it was what you, Danicola, uh, was Ross there. I can't remember if Ross Davis was there, but I know that there was no, another one no. on rig. No, he wasn't there. Um, was that the year Eric Miller came? Yes, that is the year that Miller came. He drove the buggy up, if I remember right. He sure did. Yeah. So that's where, for our listeners, the story of Eric Miller stepping out of a buggy that he drove from, I think, Maryland comes from. Yep. Uh, that blew my mind watching this. Like, I barely talked to him because, like, you know, I was right. 18 or 19 at the time. And, like, right. he's Eric Miller. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
I saw this dude get out of a full tube chassis buggy like it was nothing with a Maryland tag on the back and then go pay and just head into the woods. It was the weirdest thing that I have ever seen in my life and one of the highlights of it. Sounds pretty yeah. normal to me. Man gets yeah. out of rig, pays to go and drive, goes drive. No, drives <laughs> full-blown Ultra 4 car from Maryland. Oh, okay, well that yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, he, uh, saying, like, he took it, he posted like a picture on Facebook on the way, like he had like his he had like some goggles on and like you know, like the rain the the hood of his rain jacket like completely tightened around them while he was because he had no windshield. <laughs> He's doing like 80, 85 down the highway. That's funny. Yeah. And then wasn't that the car that he took to KOH that year and like placed? I to be honest with you, I don't, I, I can't keep track of all of his different cars. I don't, I don't, I, I like, I, I, you know, I keep up with KOH kind of at the time of KOH and, uh, I don't follow it probably as closely as I, I should, honestly. I wish I followed it a little more closely, but, um, I don't know. I don't know which car that was. Well, to tie back in, though, uh, I think that was the last trip that you made on the Maxis. And the next time that I saw you, you had the 39 reds on it, and it was at yep. Mop L. And to uh, tie all of this, huh? I, I don't know if I've ever had, if I've ever been to Mop since I had the reds, but maybe you're right. Anyway. I, anyways, um, no, you ha it was the first time that you had it, because you still had the burb. Um, and I think it was like a thrown together bullshit trip because I'm pretty sure Dan was there. Um, and that purple Jeep was there. We sent the purple Jeep on 31s up. <laughs> yes, yeah, I remember that trip too. Um, you were driving the same way that you were with the Maxis with the Reds. And I think that the tons are the biggest step. And then the stickies are the cherry on top. So I really, if I had the Suburban, I definitely didn't have the Reds. I don't, I think I must've had the creepies at that trip. Maybe I don't think my I've memory's ever... failing because we're going back like 10 years at this point. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like 85% confident, but I don't think I've ever been to Mabel since I had the red labels. That might be the case. I might be wrong. Was and it I the might have had... Is it the Halloween trip? Is that what you were thinking? Yeah. There's a picture of Caleb dressed up like a leprechaun while I'm driving up a ledge. Yes. <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, so um, anyways, the, the only thing that, so he, here's, so I have a little bit, that's sort of where you probably lost a little bit of visibility to it. So I think at the end of that year, uh, so the following year we went to season opener for, um, uh, it, you know, season opener of Field and Forest. Oh, yep. And um I had the so I had the um the creepies and everything still and I went there thinking that I was going to do okay and I absolutely left that place with my tail between my legs. Like I was like I was like questioning. I'm sure Bob is probably laughing whenever he hears this, but I was like like I was having doing like some soul searching about like my what i want out of wheeling on the drive home from that trip like 
Like it was, it was a really, really big slap in the face because I was used to walking around Roush or Mabel or whatever. And, and like, just kind of like point and shoot most for the most part. And that was absolutely not going to happen there, even on the black trails. And it was a wet weekend. It was like, it was just like, everything was covered in grease. And that was like, no tire does really well like that. And those things were absolutely atrocious when they got wet. So uh, I don't mean to cut in here, but the the audience is not hearing is Graham laughing maniacally in the other room. I get to hear it. The the Discord cuts it (laughs) off at the time. It's annoying. Uh, But yeah, that's that is really funny. That uh, I completely understand that viewpoint. uh, Yeah, from Field Before it, It, it's definitely an eye opener. Compared to a lot of other things in New England, hundred percent. Yeah, it's wild, hundred percent. And so I didn't go back at all. I think I went back for fall crawl that year. But then, other than that, I did the normal. You know, I probably went to Mabel once or twice. I went to Roush a bunch of times because um, I still kept in touch with, and I'm still in touch with a lot of the, the guys from the Rochester Club Finger Lakes Four by Four. There's a there's a really, really good group of guys out there. And um, so I would go and that w- we were like equidistant. I was like equidistant from them. Uh, or we were both equidistant from Roush. So like it was like four hours for them, a little over four hours for me. So we would go. I would just go down and, and hook up with them at Roush all the time. And um, so I kind of went back to that. And then I went back for fall crawl, signed up for a black had much more realistic expectations and ended up having a pretty good time. And, uh, and that was, I think that was the same season that Dan had gotten sold the Xyrox and got a set of red labels. And I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of the way of the future. And I mean, again, we were not wheeling at field and force that year, but I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, my Cherokee doesn't, I, I don't even think it was registered at that point anymore. I was like, I can see that this is the way that things are going. So that, that year I had over the winter, I bought the, the beadlocks and the 39s and then i went back to field and forest and and then this is the thing that has me sort of like 50 50 on it instead of being like pissed off and and leaving leaving with like you know my tail between my legs questioning everything that i had done with my jeep for six years up to that point i was like that was freaking awesome i drove so much stuff that i had that i like couldn't have even dreamed driving with the creepies it, it is at least as it, 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 it's at least as big of a difference as going from stock axles to one tons. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the, 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 the it's a catch 22 because you can't have the one towns with the stock axles, but um, truly, truly transformative, man, that those things take a rig. As, as long as you have the drivetrain to put up with them, if you, you could slap those things on any rig and they are going to transform that rig. That's it. Yeah, I agree. Having we we just built a buggy for uh, the club, or finished building a buggy for the club president, me and another buddy of mine in our our old shop space. And uh, I mean, we put a set of reds. Luke, where did those come from? I don't know whose reds they Um, were. They came out of Long Island. I forget. Okay, so nobody, we don't really know, but I owned um, them. (laughs) Yeah, no, you didn't. Uh, so either way, I had these reds kicking around. I wasn't, I w- hadn't put them on right my rig because I still like pretend to drive it on the road and and use it like a normal car. Um, mm-hmm. 
so I had them kicking around. We were building this thing, and I was like, just just take these. Take them for like, I forget what I charged them. It wasn't a lot. It was like 500 bucks or something. Something dumb. 300 maybe? Like, way less. They didn't have rims or anything. He had nice rims to put on them. And, yep. you know, I honestly wasn't sure how they were going to do. We went to... Yeah, because you look at them, and it's like, they're these, like, clapped out things, and you're like... Yeah, they don't... And these things... And these ones are old, too. Like, these aren't... These are... They're rough. They're they're not in the greatest shape, even for reds. They have tread, though. So, like, that's... which Tread, it doesn't mean anything on a red label, I know, but... (laughs) Like, there's still a little bit of life left in them. I was just concerned that the compound was going to be fucked, because they've definitely been sitting outside in the winter and the summer, all like, just not great but we run we brought that thing out for its shakedown and i i was behind i watched him drive everything and then i got behind it for a little bit and it really does just like go over shit that you know in in my rig which is not quite the same but similar it's still a cherokee right same size ish tires and i would not have that as easy of a time going over some of that stuff so i think it definitely is transformative depending on what you're going up. I mean, if you're field and forest, like, uh, it's that's a game changer move right there is to go with the red labels. I agree. Sure. So, the only thing that I'm going to jump in here with is I don't have stickies. I've literally never bolted a set of stickies onto my rig. If you've never driven them, you don't have the... You, you really can't... Not to, like, gatekeep you here, but, like... How can you have an opinion on how transformative it is? I drove behind him once, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, I mean, we we like to pat myself on the back and did a pretty good job building the rig, but like those tires carry some of that the design on that thing a hundred percent. So I'm gonna just jump in and say that's not exactly where I was going, but I'll <laughs> accept the criticism here. <laughs> uh, for me, the biggest thing that I have done ever to the Cherokee is an even the one tons. It would be the suspension um, like that. Taking the time that I took in the suspension made it so that I am incredibly comfortable with the rig and can fully use the one tons. Um, sure. So I am interested to see what a set of stickies will do. But after watching Graham keep up with, um, several rigs on 43 stickies down here. I don't know if stickies are as large of a thing as I thought they were going to be due to the fact that I am now in Tennessee. I I would totally buy that. I totally would totally buy that. Eh. Um, it's, you really, it's uh, the, when it's, I, when it's sloppy, nobody's got any traction when it's not sloppy. Uh, you have areas where it's muddy and areas where it's dry. Now, the, even the the sticky TSLs, whatever they've got, they're running right. All the, yeah, the, the cut the shit stuff. They have no surface area on the tires, like the the razors that I have. It's it looks kind of like a better designed BFG desert tire. So it's got a lot of surface area. And you wear that thing down. I was having absolutely no issue following those tires. The the new Mickey's with the really aggressive tread and the cut boggers and other things that people are running out there like just because my surface area on the rocks when it's dry well i just had more of it so i was having no issue doing exactly what they were doing for the most part granted as soon as you get into a mud puddle and you need the horsepower and the 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 
the dig, the dig to actually move you forward, then you've got a problem because my tires are basically round and they don't dig and they don't grab mud. So you're just spinning. Uh, and but. that that's why I say that like, or that's why I was saying that I think on my rig in my circumstances, just Edna cut the the nittos and call it a day. You'll be fine. Probably. Um, <laughs> I think the suspension was a larger upgrade down here than the stickies are, but I'm really sad because I moved out of New England. Excuse me. Right when I finished the suspension build, so I really wish that I your could rig go would be back. a great crawler just because of how the suspension works. Is a great crawler. It's, it's a shame that the driver sucks. <laughs> he doesn't know <laughs> he how to crawl. <laughs> yeah, he learned at the uh, Nickel Dick and Harry School of OER how to drive up Crawl Daddy. Right. Oh, man. Bump, that was Bump a... Daddy? Bump Daddy. Bump <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> um, so, for those that aren't familiar, if you type in the SIS Off-Road YouTube channel, there is a video of Harry's run at uh, the Operation Enduring Realness that we were talking about. And it is one of the few high-quality videos on that channel. <laughs> oh, God. What was that? That's um, Heavy Metal Designs. Will. Will, Will Gentile. Yep, Will. Um, that was one of the first like times he actually brought studio equipment out, if I remember right, to uh, is it, oh, an OVR. Is it, okay. So it actually is like really good quality then. Yeah, yeah. dude. Like I haven't it watched was, it in a while. It was it, shot it, it, in ten eighty. Oh wow. If I remember <laughs> right. Or seven twenty. What year uh, was this? This was twenty fourteen because it was the year I graduated high school. Okay. Yeah, what that would have been I guess fourteen or fifteen, something like that. Yep, it was 14. Richie and myself had just graduated high school. Hell yeah. <laughs> it was like our first big adult decision was to go out of state with a bunch of strangers. 100%. That's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. It's, it's wild, though. Um, so you're going to FNF more and more, right? Yep. And all of that with the Cherokee. Um, so and so, just to pop in, just because you did mention cool trips, and I I I couldn't get through this interview without bringing it up. So, uh, me, uh, and Hannah, and uh, Mike Abadi from the Rochester crew, and Mark Wing with the Rochester crew. Mike, you probably don't even really know. I mean, he's he's been at Roush a few times or whatever. Um, Mark Wing has that tan. Uh, like Willys looking it's I mean it looks like a Willys but it's it's like a full tube chassis I don't know if you guys have ever seen I mean it's like there's probably dozens and dozens of pictures of my rig and that rig out on the trails together so um it's a really cool rig it's uh it's like got all the Willys proportions but it's got built to tube buggy it, but it, it looks like it looks like like if you were like fifty feet away and you saw it, you'd be like, "Oh wow, that's a Willie's. And then you walk up and you realize that it's like everything. Funny it's story like... about that. I actually mm. met that guy at Ma Bell. Mm, I am... No, not it wouldn't have been Mark. <laughs> no? I don't think Mark's ever. No, he's out. He's from way out in New York. I think the only places he's wheeled out here yeah. are probably Field and Forest, and uh, he went to Badlands once. Because we were out at Ma Bell 
and we met up with a guy. Uh, this is back when I still had the 44 and eight and a quarter under my rig. Um, but the guy had a tan Willie's buggy on 39 reds where it was just like you described full tube chassis, everything, but with a Willie's body transplanted onto it. So this was like he, there's no, there's, I think it might, the, the grill might technically be Willie's, but literally every other thing on this is, is he built it. Okay. So different guy, but very similar rig because it's literally a tan Willie's buggy. Yeah. And yep. he like, he cut the tub or this dude cut the tub and welded it into the side skirts. Sure. Makes sense. If you were going to build something like that, that's, that's the way to do it for sure. I mean, it's kind of how I did my Cherokee at, at some point, but, um, so him, so the, the four of us, Mike has a, a, a like a 48 foot enclosed trailer. So he brought Mark's Willie's thing and his ultra four buggy out, out to, uh, and, and then we met up with them in like Denver and we went out to sand hollow in 2017 and that was just an, and so we, obviously we drove cross country and it, that was an absolutely amazing trip uh i you know it's like I, I took like two and a half weeks off of work uh it's three days driving to get there three days driving to get home and uh sand hollow absolutely blew my mind and it's like we weren't even really doing the hard stuff i mean i i, I had my cherokee uh on the reds and everything but it's still it's just it's just that that place is just absolutely insane so we we were there for i want to say two or three days maybe four days and it's just like you can just explore and explore and explore and explore forever and it's sand hollow they have trails but like at least when i was out there um if you want to just drive up something you can just drive up it like there there really isn't because it's all just rock anyway you know this like yep. a little tumblebead here and there or whatever but like it's just rock everything is just that sandstone and so if you want if you see something and you want to try to drive it just go for it there's there's no there's no issues with doing that and um it's just like the, there's just absolutely nuts out there like you're just driving next to like cliffs like you know thousand foot drop cliffs like you're yep. gonna uh, it's it, anxiety oh it just gives me it gave me plenty of anxiety too but <laughs> I, i'll tell you what man like it's there's nothing like it there's nothing like it if you ever have the opportunity or if you have any interest in doing it i very very strongly encourage you to make that happen at some point in your life even if you don't bring a rig out or whatever i mean i don't know if you guys have, have like been out west like that yeah no, i, I have uh, okay all right so you you have some idea then yeah does, i spent I some time <laughs> in el paso okay yep so when i was out in el paso um you know sorry listeners breaking the fourth wall here i know you've heard this story a million times but um That's... we were out in this like four three powered yj or four two powered yj whatever it was some stupid chevy carburetor set up on the or tbi set up on there and we were walking up stuff that if you were to try and drive in new england yeah yep. your rig like your current buggy would struggle and it was right. just mind blowing because we're on like clapped out thirty three Toyos, right. right? And it's just hooking and going, right? Yeah, it, it's it's a especially at Sand Hollow. It's a different. It's different because everything is so steep, 
and yeah. everything is is really sticky but like you it's like you have to like kind of have like the balls to commit to some of this stuff like going up it or going down it yeah it's or, more of a mental battle than it, it is like you're it, really yeah. doing it right 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 and you got to be you got to make sure that you aren't a, about to blow something up because everything has traction you know like you just have to be a little bit more aware of everything and a little bit more willing to like you know it's like in new england you're like all right sending it basically means you know like i'm just gonna you know put my foot to the floor and then hopefully kind of like do some sort of steering that gets me up this muddy wall whereas like out (laughs) there it's like Mm, I know I'm going to have traction the whole time, but I'm going to, the only way I'm making it up this is, is by flooring it or whatever. And it's just, it's a whole different thing when like, you know, every rig, every hop your rig takes, it's going to come down hard and have traction. And it's just, it's a whole different way of driving. And and I certainly did not master it by any means while I was out there, but it is, it's just very different. Yeah. It's, it's something else for sure. And like, as you said in new England, it's you pick a gear and you pick a direction to set your wheel and you kind of like have to commit to that and then steer as a result (laughs) there. It's you have to almost plan where the rig is going to bounce. You have to be a lot more calculated for sure. Yeah. And then down here, it's like you can choose that you're going to kind of steer that way but the rig might actually go the opposite direction, even though you're cut full passenger. It's actually going to go driver, and you need to adjust to that now right. and make it, sure it, you don't lose the fucking momentum. Right. It's like it, you have to uh, like ram your rig into something two or three times to understand what it's even going to do before you can even try to make a calculation of what your intent yep. is on the obstacle. Yeah. <laughs> And then when you have the intent, your intent really doesn't matter because it's like the initial input. You right. have to be yeah, really you're right. quick to like catch your rig. Um, right. I don't know if you know who they are, but the Prater brothers, uh, notably Brad and Bart. I mean, well, I guess that's the Prater brothers, but they're very good at that. They run <laughs> LS rigs um, with like hundreds. There's actually there is a third one. There is they're in New England? Oh, yes, there is. No, they're in the South. Just, just they're down here. Right? Um, they're out here in New England? No, no they're no, no, out, no, of, they're out oh. of, like, where I am, near AOP and Windrock. Um, but they're very good at catching themselves while they are, like, in the middle of bumping it most of the time. And it's a totally different driving style than what you would see in New England. It's, uh, I don't know, it's something else. Uh, yeah yeah it's every every place is a little different right uh i feel like all the different quadrants uh i don't know i don't know anything about the pacific northwest but i imagine that's probably from what it it looks pretty sloppy compared to uh the rest of the west coast so i feel like the Pacific northwest is probably like wheeling the south to be honest except it rains more there and less clay, so you know. I don't know. I feel like it'd be more northeast style than anything, because you're right. Clay is a totally different style of dirt than anything. Yeah, yeah. And clay it packs tires up. And then if we get like a rock specialist in here, they'd say we're all completely wrong, and that the way that the Earth's core works and how it came up with the crust, <laughs> it's like some magical fucking stone from the Wizard of Oz. So we mm-hmm. might be completely wrong. 
Who knows? It, asbestos. Either way, it does <laughs> just all asbestos rocks. Yeah, or last time you were a geologist, you told us there were asbestos rocks. So there is. I don't know. I don't know. Asbestos <laughs> comes from fucking rocks. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I feel like the you know the Pacific Northwest is pretty much it's on a similar uh, latitude to New England. I feel like it's out there, it look it looks maybe not identical but it looks similar to what we're wheeling in new england i think they, they're the also a lot higher elevation too they, they yeah absolutely we're we're you know probably barely above sea level in new hampshire or whatever yeah i think that the the rocks and just general obstacles seem slightly different i mean i don't know what the topography of the place looks like if it's hillier or not but uh it's close it's definitely close I'd say they're probably comparable. I agree. Yeah. So and then so just to just to finish up that thing about the the trip. So then on the way back from Sand Hollow, we stopped at Moab, and I think we were actually in Moab for longer. But um, that that was really cool too. There's a lot of cool trails in Moab, and we ran uh, area BFE. I think the year or two after we ran out there they it, it was like closed for like three or four years or however long and I, I i think it's back open now but it's like kind of more a little more commercialized than it was like when we went there it was like there's like a little bucket for like donations and stuff like that and it was it's it's i i mean it's in moab but i think it's it was it's privately owned where, yep. whereas like everything else is like blm land and you can kind of just do your thing yep but um yeah that that was really cool my my jeep wheeled for 10 days straight out there oh, and that shit. was that was something that was really, really cool. And I, I definitely like felt very proud, like driving home, like, and, and like when you're, when you're like, you know, you're like two days into driving somewhere to go wheel, you're like, fuck, I hope nothing really bad happens. Cause I, uh, what the fuck am I going to do? You know? And, uh, you know, just like, you know, you get those weird electrical things that take you two weeks to fix. It's like, what do you do when that happens out? And you yeah, like yeah. once in a lifetime trip or whatever, you know, like, yeah, uh, so I, I was just having a, mediocre right. time trying to fix a problem that you're just right. kicking yourself about right so i had like an issue with like my front drive shaft and that i fixed like in half an hour on the trail or whatever and uh but that was it yeah 10 days straight and in a freaking clapped out cherokee that was 2017 so it wasn't quite as beat at that point as it as it is now but it was still it was well on its way at that point so that was that was really cool and uh I'd love to go back. I don't. I don't know when I would do that at this point. I mean, you know, I got a four month old here, and uh, that's just a, such a huge time commitment. So it'll probably be years if I ever go back. But I am so glad that I have that that memory. That that's something I'm really proud of doing. Yeah, that's definitely a bucket list uh, spot for, for whatever me. you gotta. Yeah, I would. I would definitely encourage anybody that wants to do it to do it. Even if it's just once, it's just, you know, like there's that, I can't remember which trail it is. Um, but the one that's like, there's this thing you climb and it's like in the background is the Colorado river. That's like, you know, cut through all the rocks or whatever. Uh, yeah. Like, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's just like, um, when you're there, you're like, you know, the pictures always look cool, but then when you're just like sitting there and you, you're like on your rig looking out at the Colorado, you're just like, wow, this is, this is really amazing. So what? What trail is that um, at Harlan that's similar to that? There's the, I think it's Trail 7. Um, you end up with a overview of all of 
oh, what the hell is the name of that county? Um, but essentially, you get to look out over like a good 10 different coal mines, and you can see almost to the state line from that one overlook there. It's very pic picturesque in a similar manner, and you can't really describe it unless you're there. Right. How about the one right. that everybody takes a picture of during the, uh, the Jeep event? For the picture, I'd have to... We drive out on the cliff? Yeah, 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 yeah. I did not, we didn't, I don't think we went on that trail. I'm not sure which the one that was. And uh, frankly, that would have probably freaked me out a little bit anyway. Yeah, what if the rock breaks when you're Jeep? <laughs> Dude, well, I mean, it's like, that's the obvious question. And it's like, yeah. I, if it was, you would think if it was going to break, it probably would have broken by now. But I still, every time I see somebody on that, I'm like, what if that fucking rock breaks, man? Like, that's... Yeah, I mean, who's like, gonna... that? What's it can only take so many Jeeps, right? There's no... Uh... <laughs> right, the fatigue strength of that, whatever <laughs> rock it is. Did you see? Did you guys see the video of of Lauren? I think it was Lauren Healy, like spotting his daughter in that Bronco thing, out on that during Easter Jeep no. Safari this year. I don't think like, so. She, oh, he okay. like kept. She was like, you know, they kept going back and forth between her and the driver's seat, and, and him like, you know, like waving at her to keep moving, and she was like way out there, and she was totally freaked out, and I was like, man. <laughs> I, I, when you're in the rig too, like you can't. You can't see oh, that last couple yeah, feet in front I, of you. You're like, am I going to drive off the edge? I imagine I, <laughs> that's scary. Well, and I'm just thinking more like my kid. It's, it's bad enough watching someone else do something really, really sketchy like that, right? Yeah, like, it's almost yeah. worse when you're watching someone else do it than when you're doing it. <laughs> and then it's your, like, 16-year-old daughter. Oh, yep. I, yeah. I, I'm just like, wow. That, I'm that, not ready I think for probably, that. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't no way, but what's that big, uh, there's like a big arch that people drive on and it's literally like barely wider than a whole entire rig. It's like the devil's spine or something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, I'm uh, good on that yes. one too. Yeah. Dude, that is like the most fucked up thing. Isn't that like, like the access trail? To I want to say, hold on, let me I want to say that was closed when we were there. Oh, I don't think uh, we drove up that. We drove up, um, Hell's Revenge, which is like... It, you know, it, it's cool, but like, you know, there's like people driving up it in their like RAV4s and shit. Like, it's not, it's really not that yeah, hard. That's that like company. V notchy thing, right? No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wait, and then there's Lion's Back is the one that I'm thinking of. I that think is that, that sounds right. Fucking, I mean, this one's pretty wide, but still, like, you're literally like, there's a cliff to your left, cliff to your right, maybe enough room to turn a rig around. I think this is mm -hmm. the one that I was thinking of. Uh, what's yeah. This? Yeah, Wait, lines I don't back. think we did that one. And then, then there's the one. There's one, and I'm blanking on the name of it now. But like, uh, it, oh, escalator. It's called escalator. So like, you go mm -hmm. up, and then it flattens out, and goes up, and it flattens out, and it does that like two or three times or whatever. And it's like the, there's like sort of like rounded rock formation on either side. You know, everything's just smooth. But it's like if you don't take the right line, you get like all fucked up, and like you're picking up a tire and doing all this weird stuff. And like, sure enough, I am like there's a picture of me with like my driver front tire, like six feet off the ground while it's already like pointed <laughs> at the sky. And I'm like, yep, this is me. Like I'm the guy that like came in and like just totally botched the line on this and is screwing it up. <laughs> and so, but just, just all like good stuff to, it's like, it's just surreal. And I mean, any, not even just for wheeling stuff, but just like when you, you spend so much time looking at pictures of something or seeing something on TV or watching videos or whatever for like years and years. And then it's like, all of a sudden you're there. It's just like, it's such an amazing feeling. So yeah, that was, that was definitely like, as I look back on the last 10 plus years that I've really been into wheeling, that is 
very, you know, that's obviously a highlight for me. So go do it. Go to, go to Utah. It's totally worth it. Yeah. Um, good. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, pretty much. I've been trying to convince the guys to do the transcontinental trail. I think that could be a really fun time. Like literally going just dirt roads all the way from, I believe it's Maryland all the way out to Utah. Like that'd be that's such wild. a good time. Yeah, that's and do it in like in shit boxes too. So that way it's like a so it's actual extra adventure. miserable. Oh yeah. yeah. No good suspension. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, so that's like that was like dirt the original dirt every day. Like back I used to, you know, I don't know if you guys ever did like magazines and stuff. Cause you're like at least ten years uh, yeah, younger than me. But like before, I used to get like I used to get like JP magazine and like Peterson's four wheel drive and like I, I I think Petrini probably said exactly all of this already, but like you had, I just had like a stack of those like next to the toilet instead of my iPhone. So like, that's mm-hmm. like what I would do. And I'd be like a month later, all oh, sweet. Another, you know, couple weeks of material here. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and like, that's what like Fred and Rick Payway would, they would just, they'd find some clapped out rig, or maybe it's a clapped out rig that they had already some Willie's thing or whatever. And they would pick, pick where they were starting pick where they were ending up and they'd figure out how to how how to get there without ever driving on pavement and they would just like bring some tools and bring some fuel and stop in here places here and there stop at some random desert guy's house who had a bunch of jeep parts and like you know like swap the transmission or some crazy shit you know like that like that that's was like the original thing that, that like dirt every day started from like it was just like a magazine column and they would just write about these adventures that they took that's and so cool. but like that's exactly like what you're talking about and it i mean to be yeah. honest it looks like an insane amount of fun to just, it's like it's kind of like roadkill versus or meets uh you know like light wheeling kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah it's it's like the wheeling isn't strenuous but the vehicle isn't ideal and exactly you're not on a smooth road so <laughs> bad things are prone to happen yep. and you're gonna have to resolve them Right. See, I love the sound of that. That just sounds like a terrible time, and I want every part of it. <laughs> There's so a lot the, of beer, burgers, and complaining, and I'm fucking in. Right. <laughs> like, that sounds yep. great. So uh, another thing, so I discovered Rick Payway has a YouTube channel uh, two or three years ago, and he's in this club where these guys just have, like, willies, and they're on, like, 32-inch or, like, smaller, just like those those, like, you know, weird military... Yeah, the old school tires, and like they don't have enough gear reduction, and they don't have enough power, and they've got like that one, like it looks like a tractor roll protection system roll bar behind them, if they even have that. And these guys just go run like what I would say are like blue or black trails, like out west, and they're just like banging along, and these things are just hopping around on leaf springs. And I was like, if I were going to like decide that I was gonna kind of just like dial way back for whatever reason on the four wheeling stuff, you know, sell the buggy, sell the truck, blah, 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 blah. For whatever reason I had to dial back a lot. I think that's probably what I would do as I, and, and I don't know how much of that there is around here. New England's just such a different place than out there. Like you can't just, it's, it's so hard to just hop on the road and then just go, you know, like, Oh cool. There's some rocks over there. That's, you know, BLM land. Let's just go Dude, drive around over there. Whatever. But that's um, one of the biggest issues there. Right, like down oh, yeah. here, we've got like Harlan is three and a half hours from my house. Um, good or what is it? Good evening, seven hours. Uh, AOP is an hour and a half, and Windrock is an hour and a half. 
you don't get that up there. Like, you want to go to a big park, Roush is the only big park. You want no, to go to not. a hard right. You want to go to a hard park? Well, you better have a camping spot at the Field and Forest Recreation Area because that is the spot that makes the men and the boys separate. And and I, you know, that's at some point after a couple of years um, wheeling my Jeep there and Badlands and uh, some of the other like, you know, day trip kind of properties around. I realized I was like, this is the bulk of what we have around here. Like <laughs> this, this is really it. Like there's, uh, you know, I mean, I haven't been to like Brook Ridge and maybe some of the, the other properties and it's like, you, you know, you go to like um, some of these other places, not field and forest so much, but even like Badlands, like you can go there and you can have some fun on 33s or 35s or whatever. But, and, and this might be a blind spot for me because I've, I'm so far down the, the other path but it, it just it doesn't seem like there's there's not like it there's a, a, a the concentration of like wheelable for jeeps on 35's property in new england that oh. that there that there is for the 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 buggies on on 40s and D, and you know sticky tires so this is one of those really uh sad jump backs if you will um one of my favorite weekends that I ever did was, it was, I think, Graham, Colin, and myself, and I know Cody cooked breakfast that weekend, <laughs> but we went to Harris, and then we Oh, was yeah. Staying. Harris was a cool place. It's, yeah. Yeah. yeah shame we that it happened to it, but great uh, property for 35s. Shame about we my did. hand, too. <laughs> was I on That's your own damn fault. Yeah, I can't remember. I was oh, on one yeah. son. Yeah, because you popped okay. the beat on the forty, and then you didn't yeah, do yeah, the rest yeah, of the day. Right. Or you right. popped something like that. Remember, it like stunted. Yeah, it stunted my morning, but it didn't kill the weekend. He was he was sure. out the rest of the the day. I think he just didn't do the yeah. uh, the wall of death. Yep. Um. Anyways, besides that, uh, we went out and we hit battlegrounds, which is a NEA property, and I. I believe you're part of the Slayers, right? Yep. Okay, so then you get to hit all the NEA properties. We hit that, and then we went over to um, Harris, and we camped at Harris. And that was a killer weekend, because there was yeah. everyone there from, like, Greenleaf with his, at this or at that point, and at this point, almost Ultra 4 Cherokee. Pretty but much, like, yeah. Just right. not, like, quite legal for the specs. Um, and then there's a lot of buggy guys there. I forget why they showed up. Uh, it was just that someone, or I think it was Rich at that time, had planned that event and gotcha. like just made it happen. I think Pezza was even there. Uh, um, there were a lot of people there. Pezza was there the week before or something like that. Okay, I don't, so then we were there two weeks in a row. Holy shit, yeah. That was, I miss that shit. That was the best summer ever. Literally, I think that's 2018, Dude. 2019. So 2019 good. summer was the best summer we ever had. Yeah, like you're talking about 2012. Yep. 2019. Yeah, I was just say, it sounds like my 2012. Like I was yep. just, just out every so single feeling. moment that I yep. could. Yeah, I remember that season because I, um, I was putting a scratch in the fucking center console, and I stopped when I hit 20. 
that's for awesome. every for, wheeling trip. And every, it started yeah, that that's, season. That's solid. That's You're like solid. a psycho in a jail scratching his fingernails <laughs> off of a wall. I bet he yeah, for it feels days. like that. Sometimes <laughs> it feels like that. Dude, it was so nuts. That was the um that was the season that like I don't know if you ever saw the meme of the junkyard motor swap with the guy from Aliens. It's me, I'm back, motherfucker. Um, that one. Not quite the wording, but close enough. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, no, that was that was the year of the weekend motor swaps because I blew two so four liters dudes. that year. Oh come on! How did you do that? He just oh, loves no. blowing dudes. Third I don't know. One <laughs> was the most interesting, and that was yeah. at the end of that season. Yeah. Um, and how? One. I don't know, dude. I have terrible luck. Um, he was buying, you know, the the most primo motors, though. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. These uh, were high quality uh, rebuilds. If, if high the quality money. rebuilds, you mean <laughs> not caring about mileage and caring that they were less than twenty miles away and they had a way to load it in the truck? Yes. Um, I think my favorite one would be the current four liter that is in my rig, where I showed up. I asked the guy if he was ready to load it. He said, yep, drop the tailgate. I threw him $120, and it was in my truck bed and then in the Jeep. So, yeah, that, that should explain how I went through three four liters in a season. Interesting. That's, that's an accomplishment. Those things are pretty tough. Um, I it actually managed to split the crank, wipe the camshaft, and send the number four rod to God in one motor in one weekend. That's that is pretty good. That's um, pretty good. And it drove itself to the shop until it literally couldn't drive anymore. That's pretty good. That's that's my Mike Abadi. Um, it was a couple of years ago now, but we were at Roush and he had a uh, well, I think he still has it. This ZJ buggy that like somebody had like you know 80% done and he just like kind of bought it and for short money and just put into it whatever it needed to get it on the trail and he just like he was just like driving away like no big deal you know just like a good 2500 rpm just kind of like heading down the green trail and i watched him and all of a sudden it was just like bang bang poof poof like oil like smoke flying out of the bottom like smoke out of the wheel wells and everything and it just like just gave up it, i i think the I, I can't remember what happened but there was like chunks of of cam in the engine bay and just like, and it was like running on like three cylinders somehow. And it looked like the crank had somehow broken, but it was just like, what? So I don't know. <laughs> Things just happen sometimes, but yeah, I was, so you're not going to know this road, but, um, Richie will and Cody will, I was on 222 on my way home after Cody and his ex, uh, we were hanging out at Richie's place and so I'm just bombing through the gears and all of a sudden I start like it was ticking and I'm like, oh, cool. I just stuck a lifter. I'll pull the head off this thing, swap it, whatever. No big deal. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm driving home and it's not climbing this hill in fourth. So I slam my manual into third and fucking push the pedal all the way to the bottom and so it's is, still is, not climbing. Is this, is this <laughs> the hit? So wait. Is this a road that you drive on regularly? Yes. And and so, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. And so I'm like, all right, well, what the fuck, shitbag? 
throw that it. That is a killer hill, too, by the way. It's not and like it, it is and, a good size hill. In second gear, it's like still dying on me. And I'm like, all right, well, fuck you. I'm not stopping on this hill. And so, like, I get to the top of the hill and it's barely moving in second. So I put it into first and I'm like, all right, well, something is really wrong here. I call for assistance. I get to this, or Cody brings my trailer because it was connected to his truck because he towed his Jeep to Richie's place. So we load the Jeep up, whatever. We get back to the shop. I drain the oil pan and I start hearing thuds as the nice. oil is draining. And I'm nice. like, well, that's got to be good. So <laughs> we, um, we, pull the, we start pulling the motor. We get the motor out. We drop the oil pan off. And I find the fucking crank is cracked with the number four piston and the four, five and six rod bearings are all fucking destroyed and like falling out. Uh, you, you, you didn't hear that. It didn't sound wrong. Yeah, there's oh, a pretty short happened. amount of time. That, that was That's a lot of damage for a pretty short amount of time. <laughs> oh. uh, so just to clarify the elephant in the room, because Richie just texted me, he goes, X, yes, me and Caitlin broke up for everybody listening. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> sorry about like, that. Um, well, it was just so casual because it's something that I... Sorry, I just had to point that out in case anybody else didn't know. <laughs> hey, I wasn't trying to dig too far into that. That's oh, y'all's good, business, brother. and I ain't getting involved. <laughs> uh, but... So, Harry, the thing with it was it was ticking at the start of the weekend after I had swapped that four liter in to make that trip. And then the fucked up part was that I had a wheeling trip two weeks from then. And that's when the hundred and twenty dollar motor that is still in it went in. Dude, it's 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 a roll the dice, roll the dice. You you never know. You never know what you're going to get when you get stuff like that. But. It's also well, kind of the, the beauty of it is that you can get a motor for 120 bucks. You know, you just got to be willing to put in the time if it doesn't work out. So to make that even more glorious, um, there's a guy by us who goes by the name of Logan. Super good dude. Um, ended up meeting him right after Graham came down because Graham's down here for like a month of wheeling, basically. Um, we're supercharging my engine. I bought a M90 and the adapter plate and charge pipes. So we are going to be swapping the oil pump out on it and swapping some other stuff around and then hooking it to HB tuners and uh, pulling a bunch of timing and throwing six pounds at a 350,000 mile four liter. It's probably the best kind of four liter to throw boost at. It's the strongest. It's shown that it can last. <laughs> hey, it's lived longer than any four liter ever has in that Jeep. And to clarify, you're not gas- gapping the rings at all? I think what? they've gapped themselves at this point. Um, <laughs> buddy. Buddy old pal. Um, instead okay. of gapping the rings, I'm going to throw water meth at it. Oh, you're a psycho. <laughs> So you can hook HP tuners up to a, a four liter ECM these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you can. Apparently, um, but to actually tie the system together, now this is not me talking. This is like everything Logan has told me. Yeah. Um, in order to actually make it work, you have to connect a old school Honda wideband, or I'm sorry, map sensor to it. And then okay. write your maps off of that because otherwise the four liter 
computer shits the bed. It's probably but, not. It's just not used to seeing boost. I would imagine anything exactly. more than more than atmospheric pressure and vacuum, right? So, so due to the fact that you're putting a two bar map in, you are yeah. able to tweak the fuel on the dyno, hopefully, interesting, so that it will be safe. Because that was always the thing that I. I mean, it, it, granted, it's I. It's never anything I dug that far into, but I always heard that like even when you add forced induction or whatever to a four liter, it's like super hard to tune them because the, the the ECMs are just like these like ancient bricks that you just can't do anything with. But yep, but that's cool. Nerds have found a way around it. So right if you reduce it to the point where essentially you multiply your fuel value by two because you're getting fifty percent of the map reading. Sure. It somehow works out uh, up until about 9 PSI and I'm throwing 6 PSI and water math at it. I'm a fan. I have no clue what I'm doing. Um, But but, fortunately, 4 liters are cheap, so, you know. Yeah, whatever. If I break it, there's another one sitting at Logan's shop. Yep. Um, well, I'll be interested to hear how that goes. That sounds cool. <laughs> it's going to be I thought stupid. about putting a stroker or something in my G. Obviously, I'm way, way past that without ever doing anything like that. But Yeah, well, you make more horsepower in your buggy now than we probably ever will. Well, it's a 1.8T. It's, it's a 180 horsepower motor. All right. Well, oh, no. I suppose we should probably dive into that. I was going to say, so, yeah, why so, not right, VR so let's, go, let's, let's go back. So about, about 2018 or so, I started really wheeling with um, more people that had their stuff catered to places like Field and Forest. So like uh, Eugene Whitford is definitely a big one. Uh, Ricky Barrett with his, at that point he had the, his TJ on 43s and tons and everything. Um, Kyle Heening had a tiny little toy. He still has a tiny little Toyota buggy on 37 reds. Um, handful of other people that I'm going to forget or whatever, but like these, these guys had rigs that were like set up to wheel this place. And like, and I kind of, after a couple of years, I was like, okay. Um, my Jeep is not really cutting it anymore. I mean, it gets it done, but it's like it, I'm I'm like the 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 guy that's sort of like setting the pace of everyone else, and and and, and nobody ever, you know, I, I, nobody ever gave me crap for it or anything like that. Like I think you know that's a really good group of guys, but I also didn't want to be that guy anymore, you know. And it's and it had, at that point it had been a good eight years of like real hard wheeling you know like at least a dozen like hard weekends a year every year with that rig plus the utah trip and all that stuff and i was just like uh no matter what i do to this thing it's never gonna be like i know i want a three thousand pound rear steer buggy and it doesn't matter how much i cut off this thing and do this and do that it's never going to be a three thousand pound rear steer buggy so but i also knew it wasn't gonna i knew it wasn't gonna happen overnight so i was just like i'm done doing anything other than what this rig needs to just keep wheeling every weekend and that was basically at that point that was basically like keep patching up cracks in the unibody to be honest what was your final straw um I don't know if it was an exact moment. 
I think it was just a, it was just like a, gr- a feeling that just kind of grew a little bit every time I was out. Like, it's just like, you know, I'm trying to drive up something and, uh, you know, like the, the sheet metal is so caved in on the sides, but then like, mm-hmm. it has to kind of like go back to like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, a, it's like an hourglass almost, but like, it's still at the end, like there's all these pinch seams and stuff and it still has to go back to where it has to end up where it started at some point. And so it's just like stuff like that. I would just get caught up on like the, one of the, you know, at one point there's like this tree on easy street and like, I was driving along and like Caleb will never, uh, I'll never forget this either. But like I was driving along a field and forest and I was driving and like, I kept hitting the gas and like my front tires were like coming off the ground. And I was like, and I was, had my harnesses on and I couldn't see what I was doing. I was like, what the hell's going on? And Caleb like walked over and I was like, what, what am I stuck on? And he was like, there's a tree inside your jeep and i was like what what do you mean (laughs) and so like there was like a tree that was dead but it was also kind of like an important tree that kept people from like just completely missing all of the the hard stuff like you can just like bypass all the hard stuff if this tree's not there and unfortunately it's completely gone now but at that point it was probably like i don't know six seven feet off the ground and i had managed to get that tree in the pocket of my cherokee where the driver rear window or like all the way like that rear quarter window would have been and it like hooked inside my roof so every time i was driving (laughs) like it was like like the rear tires would just like get traction and like the front tires would just lift off the ground and i was like what the hell's going on and so it's just like after like like a few years of that i was just like this isn't this isn't cutting it anymore and and to be honest with you probably the biggest thing is visibility i got so tired of not being able to see anything that like i could see what my i could kind of see what was in front of my driver front tire and i could see what was in front of my driver rear tire and that was it otherwise i could see like 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 outside of a 10 foot radius around my my cherokee and when you're wheeling stuff like that's really technical or really just like it's really just big rocks and stuff like that. You really got to be able to see what everything is doing. And in a Cherokee, you just can't see anything. You cannot see anything. So a good point. The reason that I brought that up is, um, right. Like I'm trying to buy a house, um, from earlier in the podcast, obviously I'm trying to train or trying to change career fields uh, and all of that stuff. And, Every time that I look at the sad carcass that is my Cherokee, the only thing I can feel is sentimental about it. Right. So I end up glossing over all of its faults. Um, and there is a guy who, his name's Sam uh, Turker. He goes by Naked and Afraid on Instagram. Um, absolute salt of the earth. One of the best people I have ever pussies. met. Sorry, what? Um, stanky is <laughs> pussy for sure. Um, it claps when he walks. Um, but like, I helped with the design a little bit on the. He calls it the Wendigo chassis, and like what? every the Wendigo, Wendigo chassis. Okay. Um, is that it, public knowledge yet? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it, has he released point, it? Whatever. Well, now it is. Care. It's public knowledge now. Um, it is a trail bouncer chassis. 
and yep. I was going to build one of those, but like I just can't stomach building a buggy at this point. So like all the faults on the Cherokee, I sit there and I'm like, I polish up and I'm like, you're not that bad, whatever. So that's why I was just curious as to what it was that finally broke you because you had been wheeling a internal cage XJ for so fucking long right. that I figured it had to be one thing. It, it really, it really wasn't. It was, uh, I, I think that's a very reasonable thing to think as an outsider looking in for, for you. Uh, to me, it really, it was just a culmination of, um, I'm trying to keep up with these guys and, and I, and I see, and actually I think I, I don't claim to be God's gift to driving by any means at all, but I was out driving that rig. Like I knew exactly how to do everything that that rig could do. And, um, there was just, I was, I was just like banging my head against the ceiling on what oh, they were able to do. That is a perfect point. Um, I'm still paying penance if you will, to the rig. Um, sure, sure. My rig will comfortably outdrive me. Yeah, right, right. So I think that that might actually be the thing, Luke, is that when you feel like you're getting in the driver's seat and you're like, I know what this rig needs to do, and it's, it's this rig just can't do it. That's, that yeah. is actually prob that's probably going to be the moment where you're like, I got to do something else. If you still feel like, damn, this thing is awesome and I still need to figure out how to tame it, you still got time. That's that's my feeling. Dude, it is absolutely okay. nuts. Um, I have hit a point where I am comfortable with that rig hanging tire on the front or rear three foot. The body can be off camber like a son of a bitch. Graham always makes fun of me for the fact that after I linked it, um, I got the geometry. I tried to get too close to the sun, if you will, for getting everything perfect. Sure. Um, so my upper links essentially sit four and a half inches apart. And as a result of that, the body is, it likes to throw itself around, but okay. I have 11 and a half inches of separation. And yep. then I've got eight inches of separation at the frame. So when I put my foot in it, it actually squats the whole Jeep. So I am so comfortable at this point with the rig that like, if I get scared, I know that I can just throttle into it and the rig sure. will like sure. push into itself. So, right. Right. And I haven't hit a point yet where I feel like the rig is the limiting factor. I am the limiting factor in that rig. So my advice then is just enjoy that. Just enjoy that. Because yeah. it's a fun process. It's a fun process learning and mastering your rig and the terrain that you're driving on. That's, that is the whole thing that makes wheeling fun, at least for me. It, it, I mean, oh, it's wild. It, when, so, so just you, you'll know. You'll know when it's time, but if you're, if you're still having fun, I, I mean, that's really the biggest thing is if you're still having fun, then I don't think you're ready. If you're like, I know where I want to be and I can't do it with this rig, then, then that's, then it's time so, to start looking at something else. And there's going to be other things that impact that, right? Like if you're trying to buy a house, you're just going to kind of put that on the back burner. You're going to be like, you know what? This isn't where I'm putting my money right now. And, and, and that, that can impact it too. Like when you look at it and you're like, yeah, I'm not going where I want to go, but th th that this isn't where 
where I'm putting my resources right now. That 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 yeah. can kind of impact it too. So I'm sure you know who Timmy Craig is. Uh, uh, Mark. Tim- Mark Craig. Or Timmy Clark okay, I think, or Mark I think, Craig? I think you mixed Timmy two Clark. people together. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Clark, yes, yeah, Mike no, Craig and definitely. Timmy Clark. They really are uh, like one and the same. But every, Well, they show up together. So it's I, think, Timmy Clark. I think either of them would um, probably take offense to that. I don't know them that well, but I think neither one of them would like the listen, idea that you're comparing listen. them to each other. Timmy, well, who, if they listen, then, then uh, they'll have to tell us. Timmy <laughs> can take offense to that and is more than welcome to make up for his shitty showing in the first podcast episode because that wasn't Timmy. Me, that was like the ghost of Timmy, and yeah, Mike doesn't okay. want to come on a podcast because Mike has got like sand in his vagina or something. So right. it's Timmy Craig. Um, okay. Yes. Either no, no, way, no. it's Tim Clark. Tim Clark. Um. Either way. Yeah, so I know I know Tim Clark not super well. Uh, love him. Great guy. Essentially, though, uh, Timmy helped me build the suspension on both ends of the rig. Okay. And now the ends of the rig are literally failing before I hit my driving, like the point where I'm scared of driving, if you will, or I feel like the rig is, or I am out driving the rig. Um, the track bar is literally pulling the front end around. Excuse me. And then in the rear, um, there's really nothing wrong with it except for the fact that the unibody is so twisted that when I built it, the cage was square and now it's crushing the body into one of the tubes. And I'm like, how do you even fucking do that? Right. Shitbox. Why? Right. Right. They're just, they're, they're, the Cherokee is a really hard platform to build a hardcore crawl around unless you go, Unless you do what um, Josh and like Rob Lacoste have done, like where you basically have almost nothing left, like yes, then then it's like okay, but like if you're if you if it's something that you want to bash on for years and years, and you're really bashing on it with tons and forties, it's a really tough platform. So that that gets to the point where it gets really interesting in my case. so I bought a 241 from Sam, right? Uh, 241 OR. Yep. That bolts one. right up to my AW or AX15, not AW4. Um, oh, you, yo, you got a stick? Yeah, you totally need yeah. that. What, is, what, I do don't know. Has, what do you have now? You really he don't. had a 231. That's fine. I it made it work for years. It, it Dude, did not is, work. That is Awful. It worked. I know. Amazing. You were driving. You were. You. Were, I don't. I don't believe you. <laughs> you cannot believe me. There's a reason but, he couldn't drive. It's because he had zero control over the thing. Because he just. It was clutch or no clutch and. Yeah, feathering it's is like out of the question minimum minimum four to one if you got a stick, and that's yeah. that's probably not even really enough, but it's yeah, enough whatever. to make it work okay. No, it's definitely enough. I've, I've got. Uh, it, you're like right. It's enough. ish It's almost too much. Like I'm like winding the thing out in trying to go just trail cruise in any gear it's a little it could get annoying fifth gear is nice but so it's nice let's get back to it though um right so i got the four to one i have the ax15 i'm gonna be probably bringing another ax15 down from new england so i have a spare um no that'll be a good setup and then the four liter with the M90, it's like, all right, well, 
cool. Now that fucking is all solid ish kind of maybe, but the rest of the rig is like the actual unibody fails me before the rig fails me. Um, and the suspension is, it's so wild of a difference for me. Um, like I was talking, I had Mike up till probably one thirty in Mike, the morning. Just clarify. Huh? Timmy or Mike? Katrini, Mike Katrini. Okay. Yeah, I had Katrini up, and we were talking about how to tune my coilovers because, like, I sent him all the numbers and everything, and we went so far in depth into it that um, essentially Mike can correct me where I'm wrong, but it was bring the lo- or bring the dual rate adjusters down. If that doesn't do enough, go from the 140 to a 175 in the rear. And then, if that's still not enough, fuck with the flutter stack. But, like, everything else on the rig is so well-tuned that it's kind of... It's there. You know what I mean? Then, and just, that's keep why patch, I, then just keep going. Just keep going. Exactly. Yeah. But no that's why I, like... It. The buggy stuff is so cool, but at the same time, I want to just cut the nose and the tail off of my Jeep. But what's and- cooler? You can, still, you can still do that. You can still do yeah. that if you want to, mm-hmm. and you keep all that good stuff that you have going. <laughs> exactly. And that's why like, I ended up turning away, and it's like, man, it's cheaper for me to just use the bender I have and all that other stuff and keep going with you know what is admittedly at this point an error. But a very cool error. Um, oh, that's it's it's real. That's that's really funny that you say that. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like you know, I, Cherokees I, are such awesome vehicles. They really are. I mean, just like stock ones. Like I remember, like when Hannah got hers, and I was just driving around stock, and I was like, man, this thing just drives so nice. Like I just it was like, what a great vehicle. The only downside is that they just suck gas, right? Like they're just. They were born in a time oh. when gas, you know, they were made in a time when gas was like a dollar a gallon or whatever. So Dude, it's like they're terrible vehicles, but they're amazing. I like, don't think they're I don't think they're terrible vehicles. I really don't. So the reason I say it is a terrible vehicle is because it is so well put together for what it is. That's that what I'm when saying. You start to look at it in context of the way we use it. Right. They right. It falls apart. They're not like, there. They really aren't a good candidate for this. They really aren't, no. to be honest with you. And we're and, and no, we're we're all a group of people that are, are do it that have either done it or are doing it anyway. But they yes. they aren't. They aren't. And yeah. so to tie um, Cody and Richie, who have been the silent passengers this episode, back <laughs> in. I I've been trying. <laughs> I know. Um, but in Cody's case, I built his front suspension. And I'm sorry, Cody, I'm going to take credit for that because it's wild what uh, your rig uh-huh. will do. Yeah, I was going to um, say, you definitely have all the credit in that. <laughs> but, like, I took a Clayton kit and I improved the link spacing and all of that. And I sat down with the calculator and, like, played with it and played with it. And then I was like, all right, fine, this is what we're doing. And his rig on 35s, I shit you not, was absolutely leaving my rig on 40s in the dust when i was running patagonias yeah 
um, like <laughs> his rig was more capable than mine was because of my shitty tire choice. But it was wild to watch because it just, it was like a well-tuned machine. And it still is a well-tuned machine. He just needs to actually finish like a couple minor details. <laughs> and Richie's rig, we were trying to build on a budget. So we did um, JK rear upper control arms as lowers. Is that correct, Kish? Yes. Yeah. The rear uppers work for the front lowers. And then I built a set of custom uppers for it to keep the four link. And then we modified a double shear track bar for it. And it's wild what a Cherokee will do in those circumstances because, like, my rig is XYZ capable. Graham's rig is a step within the same footprint, if you will. And then you have Cody, who's following right behind. And Kish is chasing his fucking heels. But the second that you start putting one-tons and 40s in there, the amount of work to upkeep the rig for what the rig will do just goes through the fucking roof. That's that's the thing. is It's not a question yeah. of what it will do. It's how long it will reliably do that. Yeah. I, I swap my track bar. It's like comical at this point. Once a year. I have to track cut it bar. off and redo it every single year. Yeah, because yep. it's ripping off, it's ripping off uh -huh. the unibody, right? There's no way I can brace that thing. And yeah, right. There's nothing the... you can do. There's really nothing you can do. That whole rail flexes, like, I've played right. the inside, the outside, and it's still ripping it all apart. I was looking at it the other day when we were working on my winch, and, like, half the welds are starting to crack and just a bunch of other stuff. And it's been, I've, I've had it with the setup that's, that it's got on it now for a year, and it's got a lot more tubing, a lot more bracing on it, and it's just still not hanging. Like, that, that whole, fr I'm, I'm wishing I cut those front end rails off because it just wasn't, you know, they're not holding up. I, so. I've, I, I mean, up, right up until the very end, I was getting under my Jeep to do stuff. And I'd be like, oh, I don't remember seeing that crack before. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, and it's full, it's fully tubed. Like, I mean, there's yep. not, a, I mean, yeah, maybe I could have done a little bit more, but like, it, it's just, it's just, it's a losing battle at some point. It is. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Just something, you, again, it's the, the downside to working with the Cherokee. One of the. Well, right, but it, right, and 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 I don't know. I mean, are they? Can you get them cheap anymore, like a stock one? No, not real. Yeah, not as I didn't think so. So now they've sort of lost that end of it too. There's not a lot that are under a thousand dollars anymore. Yeah, and it used well, to just to be like, for, yeah, it's like no big deal to find one for five hundred bucks. Like correct, yeah. yeah. And and yeah, so now they've sort of lost that end of it a, a little bit too. It's like it used to just be a throwaway. Like, all right, I'll just take all the stuff off, junk the chassis, and and move it to the next one. And maybe I'll do a little bit better job with this one. But now, enough of us have done that 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 there's that the supply has been greatly diminished of them and the ones that are survivors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and everybody now they're like now it's a classic, right? It's it's, it's got the same sort of status. It's something. Uh, yeah, something, we don't think it's to us. It's not, but like to a lot of non-car people it's like oh look at this old jeep suv thing that's you know it's one like of the shitty gas mileage but <laughs> drive pretty okay and reliable and you know so, relatively I mean, cheap the, right that one then i think uh katrini said that in his podcast too was that like the early bronco was that when like he was getting into it yep, yep. yeah and 
you know, and I've heard, I've heard other people make that comparison too. One I mean, of look at Broncos things. now, though. Those early Broncos, oh, exactly. I mean, it exactly. blows my mind how much they go for because they're, oh, right. they're pieces of shit. I hate them. <laughs> right, right. But but uh, they're but they're not they there aren't like millions of them still out there. No, no, no there no. aren't. And and that's where we're getting with XJs at this point. And one of the things that has stuck with me was there was uh, I was out wheeling with this guy Dylan. Graham knows who I'm talking about because he's wheeled with him. But we were out, and he was looking over my rig, and he's like, you know, this thing's kind of crude, but, like, you're wheeling some kid's dream and oh, absolutely right. destroying it. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to take that, because at the same time, I'm still living out my dream, you know? 100%. Like, when I, don't, yeah, I, what did met, he, I, don't, I don't really know what he meant by that. Well, what I think what he meant by that is that, like, I have a three and four linked XJ on coilovers in the rear that's, like, been meticulously put together, even though it doesn't quite look like it. Okay. It doesn't. And, um, <laughs> what was that, Graham? Nothing. <laughs> oh, no. no. You'll have to listen to the episode. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it really doesn't look like it was meticulously put together, but like some of that has been baked into the design. When I did my cage, I was looking back at the old Ultra 4 buggies, like from the first couple of races and building off of that. And that was like kind of the design. That's why my tubes all like super square and kind of blocky, but like you look at the nodes and you can't fault any of it and like I sleeve the first uh, two foot of my halo with, you know, uh, it's 120 and 120 pounded together to make a 240 wall tube for all of the supported areas and whatnot. Uh, mm -hmm. The suspension's been gone through and shit. And like, so long story short though it's a classic and it is something that i had always wanted to build and it's the way i've always wanted to build one of these rigs just to see how far it will go but i'm the last of the group of people that's going to be doing that yeah yeah i agree um there is i i can't think of anything the w i mean it's like you know, J, jk's are 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 too cheap at this point to not start there, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. And like, and and, I, and, and, and and listen, this is a Cherokee guy saying this, but they're a better place to start. Yeah, but if Just you want cheaper, the what else do you have? The WJ. Yeah, like that's sure. it. I mean, yeah, Nobody you could do that if you wanted to, but what? But why? But that, you that, already you already know where this path goes. You the know? barrier like, to entry yeah. for anything that isn't a JK. It, from a Jeep perspective, is is pretty high, right? The you're not going to yeah. find a lot of aftermarket stuff that's actually going to perform for a WJ. Like, yeah, to be yeah. honest, I mean, but I mean, like, there's like a reason not... the ZJs and WJ when they when people build them, they're cool, but it's usually not somebody's on, first I gotta, rig that they're like. I got a pump how to brakes, fab on. Uh, it's not the first rig you learned how to fab on, but like the principles are all still the same. Um, but I think that that, what we are talking about right now is what is leading to the current buggy craze that is currently like sweeping across the wheeling scene. Um, 
there are. I think, there's, I think there's a lot of things contributing to that. Yes. Yeah, but there aren't any more cheap rigs. Like you can't go out and buy a Toyota uh, to make into a shipbox crawler like you could in 2018, 2017, where no. like a Rotbox one you could pick up for four or five. You no, can't well, do that and, and part of that is, I mean, that the the market on literally everything has just been turned upside down in the last three years, right? So it's like oh, it's it's hard wild. to compare them anything right now. Everything is more expensive right now. And like, I think a fair price for my rig as it sits now, after Sam got done with the tube work, would be fifteen five, and that's a really expensive price for a Cherokee. Yeah. But at the same time, how much did you just say? Fifteen five. Yeah, I mean, uh, like that's what I would expect from a full one-ton Cherokee with a three-link front, four-link rear, and like forty-inch tires. That's what, like, that's what I would assume most are around. You're gonna save he, so much so money just doing thousand dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and wow. like, if I Which were to doesn't post... mean it'll sell, but that's reasonable. No. Yeah, that's that's, it's that's probably like, what they're saving 17, themselves 18. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Because, like, to go out and buy a base model Cherokee that is comparable to the $300 start of my project, you're talking $5,000 now to get into the same yeah. body condition that yep. I started with in 2018. Right. Yep. Um, and, and, and knowing what you know now, why would you start there again? I wouldn't. I would just go and buy fucking $5,000 worth of tube because Lord knows that's going to go further it will. It's just you got to be able to put the time into it. That's the thing. Yeah. It's so um, much. But, like, I am thankful for the fact that I stand on the shoulders of giants and under the shades or under the shade <laughs> of trees that I have not planted. Um, I'm a motherfucking god. Check me out. <laughs> no, 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 I don't mean like that. I mean, like, there are people out there, like, Mike that I can go and call or like Timmy that I can go and call and I know that if I call Mike Catrini I'm going to keep butchering his name. You almost the guy will right. I think you got it right that time. You get He will right. pick up the phone and he'll be like, "Oh, cool, you're doing this." Yeah, so um do you have like a time in the next or 3 hours later that we can sit down on a Discord call, you can give me all your numbers and we can figure this out. And that guy will come out and he'll spit out something that like will produce a four link that will outperform what I consider to be my current gold standard. Sure. Um and all of that information is so readily available now that I would never build another Cherokee, but sure. I love my Cherokee. I, and, and I think that's, uh, that's not a bad place to be. Um, so like now I suppose we should probably dive into your buggy because your buggy to me looks like a hybrid of the old Roush, uh, comp buggies meets a side of the F and F buggy. Did now I have another stupid question before we dive all the way into this. Hit did me. running humble pie in your Cherokee <laughs> help to inspire this? Mm, no, it accelerated it. 
ex accelerated, inspired. It was. It was it, okay. So, um, 2017 was the first year I ran Humble Pie, which I th I think it was 2017. What it w I didn't run Humble Pie the first year Bob ever did it. I ran it the second year, and um, I think at that point um, I was in the that sort of holding pattern that I told you about where I was like, I know that anything, any major modification that I do to this is not going to get it enough closer to where I want it to be that it's worth doing. So I'm just keeping it as is. So we've, we qualified and it was miserable and it was super wet and we were up until like, you know, we, it took us like 20 hours of wheeling to get the qualifier. And then I totally botched the, the bounty run by just driving like an idiot um, but I, I think I left that humble pie like, no, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, like that was that was good. I learned some lessons. I won't drive like that next time. Um and then uh a couple humble pies later, it was I had already started building my buggy at that point. And 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 it was already actually I think it was after that year. Um I got under to do, I brought my, I was at this rental house at this one point and I had a two car garage and I like brought my Jeep in to just do like some winter maintenance to get it out of the way. Cause I was actually, I wanted to get going on my, the deck Comanche project. And uh, so, but I was like, I gotta get, I gotta make sure the Jeep is ready to wheel for the year. So it was like January and I was just like, all right, do this, do that. I know like the, you know, like the battery box was falling off of it. So I beefed that up and, just some other, it's like the typical like winter Cherokee stuff that you have to do because like, oh, this is falling off because everything is sheet metal. And, uh, uh and, so, and so I was, just, yeah, right. Like you guys all know, it's like, oh, this, oh that I thing's do. made out of sheet metal. So it's falling off now. I'm talking with Sam right now about how to build a battery box that's going to mount to my roll cage because I am so sick of dealing with a factory battery box. Yeah, yeah I just like welded with... a piece of cord. Like I made this like pocket of quarter inch steel that like braced down to the unibody and that held it in. And I was like, like it's like it's like I cut out where the factory battery box was that was rotted away, and then just welded in a piece of quarter inch steel with a gusset, and then just bolted it back in there. Yeah, <laughs> like... that's a good point. I'd never really thought about that battery because mine. I moved mine, but before that, I had an okay mount. But like the factory battery boxes on those things just get hammered <laughs> every every everything in it is mounted everything is sheet metal literally yep, everything yep. is sheet metal and so it, you can you can make a whole like you know winter out of repairing stuff that's gone wrong because it's everything is sheet metal and that's basically what i did every winter so um <laughs> but then i got under there and i realized that my my stiffener on the passenger side had like yeah. completely rotted away from the rest of the unibody, and I was like, uh, I, I, I just can't, I can't leave it like that. Like, I, I know I can't leave it like that. And so, this was an upstate New York Jeep for its entire life until it came to Connecticut. So, it's like, and, and I was an idiot, I didn't know anything about New Hampshire oil, I didn't know that you should be, you know, hosing things down. Like, and so I just let the salt sit on it and it just rotted away. Yep. And, New Hampshire and that, that, oil. New Hampshire oil? You never heard of New Hampshire oil? No, what the fuck is that? It's, you know, fluid film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. What, I okay. assume I that's gotcha. what it was. It's the same thing as fluid film. So okay. now everything that I care about, I absolutely douche with, with New Hampshire oil because I <laughs> I don't drive new stuff. I drive old stuff because, you know, money. And um, yep. 
and the rust is at this point if, if you're driving anything that's been built within the last 20 years the thing that's going to kill it more than anything is rust so but anyway let's I, I won't go too far down that path but so i was just looking at it and i was like i am so tired of laying underneath this thing welding rusty metal back to rusty metal and, and i think at that point i was like all right i need to spend some time it, maybe that was kind of the point luke but I'd, I'd already known that that's that's where things were headed for a long time before that. Maybe that was the point where I was just like, okay, this is like the writing's on the wall. It's really time for me to do this. I was overdue for something that had some tube and wasn't a big yeah. 5,000 pound Cherokee brick thing for a while. That right there, the last thing you said is one of the final nails in my Cherokee's coffin. Um I'm not saying that that rig is dead and it is far from dead. Doesn't sound it, like it. It sounds like it's still doing exactly what you need it to do. But when it finally dies, it runs. Yeah, it well, runs. It has the steering wheel. Um, when <laughs> it finally the dies, joke is he's had fueling fuel pump problems. The, he had a moto built cell oh. that just kept eating pumps, and so oh. we'd get it on the trail. Yeah. It would just it would just blow up, uh, or um, the pump would drop, and it would just uh, mess his weekend up. God. Yeah, so, like, I drove out to Harlan. Uh, that happened there. I drove out to multiple different wheeling trips. Like, for me, Good Evening Ranch is eight hours or so. That's uh, in Virginia? West Virginia? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, they did the, they, suppose... the We Rock guys are doing a, uh, a, a Event, thing uh, there. Yeah. Yep, right? In, like, two weekends. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I suppose that this would be as good of a time as any to give you your invite. Um, you are formally invited to the Web Wheelers Ball, which is the first weekend of September at Good Evening Ranch. We need like confetti or something to pop at his house when you say <laughs> that because you made you <laughs> amped it up. Yeah, you amped it up like you are officially invited. Like... <laughs> hey, well, you guys know how I got him on the podcast, right? I did the whole shitty. Um, we're trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty thing. Yes, which totally went over my head, and I was like, God damn it. That's funny. That's funny. So, yeah. yeah. Um, You're welcome to come. We've hosted four of these events. Uh, Last year, we posted is a strong word, but we're there. It's not very organized, (laughs) but that's how it should be. That's all right. Uh, There is no organization. Um, The only organization is, you know, hey, we're doing this this weekend. People should come. because It's cool. Yeah. Well, technically, there is organization. I guess if you want to camp with people, just to drop uh, Eddie's name, say, "Hey, I want to park near Eddie." He's parking his camper somewhere. That'd be the yep. only organization that I've even remotely heard of. So, um, yeah, cabins too. You can like rent a cabin and all that fun stuff. So. Yeah, the cabins make that property. Um, but it's similar to how FNF is, where like they actually have nice primitive camping, but they also have cabins as an aside um sure but like they have a really nice shower house and stuff it's great and then the property is wild um and being from new england you don't get to experience southern night wheeling like you do there it's just another animal no i think we've done a pretty good job of uh turning bob and lies off to to night wheeling at this point yeah i heard a rumor (laughs) that the trail slayers were involved in that but you know (laughs) <laughs> we don't want to assume i i can think of a certain instance that i think really turned everyone off that trail slayers weren't into but i'm not i'm not gonna go there maybe so, we'll have to bug bob about that 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, see. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> but anyways, you're more than welcome to come down. Uh, anyone so, do you, that you, do you like set bring... it up on Facebook or something? Yeah, yeah there's an event. Yeah, send, me, send me an invite. Send me an invite. I'll check it out. Uh, I know that a bunch of the Southeast boys are going to be going there. Overtime might be making an appearance. No, uh, he's someone... not. He's going to the burnout thing. He's a big burnout guy now. He uses his uh, for burnouts and not a... Not wheeling, I guess. Oh, no, he was at Windrock or something recently, I guess. He I said know. that he was going to show up at that event, so fuck him if he's not going to. Well, it know, it's not his fault it lines up with another thing. Yeah, I mean, like, when you start partying with Cletus McFarlane, I guess, like, you might get a little bit of a pass, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, like, Jason Ramsey's going to be there. Um, Is he? I don't know. He said I haven't he heard yet or not. Well, his decision is his well. So his decision <laughs> is to be made as if he's going to Field and Forest with us oh, at the beginning of October, right. yeah, yeah, or yeah. if he's coming to Good Evening Ranch. He has not decided yet between the two. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then, anyways, what we've, was it? Anyways. we've been going for like a little over two hours. Do we want to cover more of this, or do we want to hear about the buggy that we've talked about and haven't really touched on <laughs> at all? Probably the buggy. <laughs> Give us like a quick rundown before Luke interjects and we go on a massive tangent again somewhere. Like, I don't even. I don't think I've even seen a picture of this buggy. Like, it's right in the general. Give me a chat. picture. Sure. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll see a picture of it. But give us the so, rundown. So, um, I had always been. So it's a transaxle buggy. Are you guys familiar with the concept? No. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I got a mixed answer. So I'll 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 dive in a little bit. So. Give us the info um, as if it were dumb, because some of the listeners might not know. Yeah, it's no, um, no, no way are we dumb. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I couldn't be that dumb. <laughs> so, you you take a front wheel drive car. Um, yeah. You turn the engine from being transverse to longitudinal. You weld the diff in the transaxle, and then bam, you have a transfer case. Oh, so. You know what's fucking really cool is I, ever since I watched that Dirt Every Day episode where they did that in like an Isuzu or whatever. They did I've it with like a RAV4, which I don't totally understand. It's a little bit <laughs> yes. different. I saw that and one. They, and they put it like in the passenger seat, right? I don't actually remember, oh, to, to be to... honest with you. I thought they took a... I would have to go back and watch that. I know yeah. what episode you're talking about, but I, I, uh, I don't remember the details of it. I'm pretty confident that they did. Yeah, so, okay, that is probably one of the coolest things that I've always really wanted to dive into, but never wanted to take the chance. Why not yeah, just... well, so you're, you're talking to the idiot that decided to take the chance on it. Why not just get the, uh, like, you can get the uh, kits to run it to a, uh, an XJ transfer uh, case uh, transmission. Why not do something like that? Like, what prompted you to think that the Volkswagen tranny would be any better? All right, so... And this was something that I put a lot of thought into. So um, the, the the reason that the main reason that I went with it was was weight and uh, and space. So the, the thing that the transaxle setup gets you, especially in that. Well, I guess it's either front or rear engine configuration is um, I don't have to put a transfer case under my seats. So. That saves yeah. me like a good six or eight inches of either my belly being lower or my roof being higher or some combination of those two things. It basically like it really 
Like I think is now with the 42s, my buggy probably has about the same belly that my XJ did. And uh, yeah. like just way, way lower center of gravity. Yeah. So it, um, it, 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 it feels low. Um, but it's got like a 20 inch belly, 20, 21 inches, something like that. Belly. Wow. So it, 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 it feels really, really good, especially in those off camber situations. Um, and, uh, I, to be honest with you, I kind of dove into it. Uh, there's a whole Facebook group, as you can imagine, uh, about, you know, transaxle buggies and stuff on Facebook. And there was this guy, John Kennedy, who's in, uh, he's actually in British Columbia up in uh, Vancouver. And, um, he has a really cool, like, like just really basic, uh, buggy. And I saw it and I was just like, damn, this thing is perfect. Cause budget is absolutely a thing for me. It's not, it's not the budget that I had 15 years ago, but it's not an unlimited budget. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. So, oh, um, yeah, well, that's going to happen with any reasonable of, response. Of course, of course, of course. So, so, you know, my drivetrain is came out of a Jetta that was $500. And then I sent the wiring harness and the computer and everything off to some guy. And he did everything that needed to for 800 bucks. And that, that was basically all, that's basically all I have into my drivetrain. Um, and so the, the, uh, I, I was before I kind of even realized what I had, um, I thought I had a four speed automatic and I was like, Oh, everybody says this thing's a piece of junk. Uh, the ratios aren't that great, blah, 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 blah. And then I actually went out in the garage and I like, you know, I got the wire brush and the brake clean out and like wiped off like the tag on the transmission. And I, and it's actually a five speed automatic, which is like, it's, it's like some Japanese transmission, not like some horrible Volkswagen automatic because I don't know. Volkswagen seems to know how to, how to do a lot of things really well, but not automatic. So um, uh, they don't know how to do transmissions well. If they were an American company, they would be Dodge. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like they know how to make a really cool engine, and then they just like the, the they just completely fall apart at the at the power transmission part of it. So, so it's a it's a Jatco five hundred six E automatic transmission. So it's a five speed. T- it's a it's the Tiptronic tron- transmission. Yep. So like. And it's actually like I and then and then because I was I was in my head because I'm just like worried about everything. And and especially, you know, being an anxious person, but also wanting to do something that no one else has done before that. It's like those two things don't really don't jive well together. They're antithetical. Yeah, they do do not work together. It, It makes it makes my life very hard sometimes. You said it was a Triptronic, but what year did it come out of? Oh, it's an O. It came out of an O3 Jetta. So that would be Mark Five. I didn't know that those. No, no, no. That's a Mark Four. Oh, Mark Mark Fours. I thought they were done at O One. No, Mark Fours went up to O Five, O Six. It's a weird thing. Like I actually, my daily driver is an O Six Golf, but it totally has the Mark Four body and everything. It was like a split year. I don't know. It's like weird German shit. What? Yeah. So it's all it's all kinds of weird stuff. But anyway, so. Um, I found out it had a five speed. And so I was totally going down this path of this four speeds piece of junk. It's going to be a pain to figure out a control because no one does anything with it because it's a piece of junk. And, uh, I was like, maybe I should swap in like the old school hydraulic three speed automatics that like, and you know, people, so I did some research and I found out that, um, the center, like the, I don't know, like the, the housing that like has all the clutches and all that stuff. 
is the same in the Volkswagen transaxles between uh, like the rear wheel drive stuff that was in like the, the Beatles and the Vanigans and all that kind of stuff. And then they basically just adapted that to a front wheel drive housing for like the Jettas and the Golfs and whatever, you know, all that stuff in the eighties, it's like all interchangeable. It's just like, did you mount it rear, rear engine or did you put it in front wheel drive? So <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe I should start looking into this. This transmission's a piece of shit. The rage, but, but then it's like, so with a four speed transmission, you get a lower first gear because you can get away with it because you have an overdrive. But when you got a three-speed transmission, you still have to balance all these ratios, right? So you don't get as low of a first gear so that you can get a higher third gear and then the diff ratio. You know, so you have to balance all these things, right? Mm-hmm. So I was looking at it, and I was like, all right, the difference between the third, the three-speed, and four-speed, maybe it's not huge. Maybe I'd be better off doing this. So then, I, like I said, I went out with the brake clean, and I realized that I had the five-speed auto, and then I looked into that. And it has, and it's, uh, it has, it has two overdrives, which I don't know if I've ever been into overdrive with it, to be honest with you, but it has a super, super low first gear. And, uh, it's like my crawl ratio in, in first gear with, uh, it's like a five something to one first gear. Um, maybe it's four something to one, but then the diff ratio is four something. So and, and so here's the thing that a lot of people miss about the trans transaxle setup, and it and it took me a little while to get is that so in a normal transmission, just rear wheel drive setup, right? So you go tran you go engine, transmission, and then rear diff ratio, and then out to the wheels, right? So in a front wheel drive car, you're still doing all of the gear reduction, but you're doing it in one case. So my gear so that that diff reduction so so in a front wheel drive car it goes engine into transmission your three to five speeds whatever you have then a diff ratio which is you know three or four to one whatever it is and uh and then out to your wheels out to your your half shafts to your front wheel drive so that that three to four reduction that's my low ratio so it, it, yeah, that makes perfect sense. To me you have, you yeah, have it, your... people. People think like, how can you have enough gear reduction? It's like, well, no, because my my low range. I'm permanent. I'm basically I'm permanently in low range in the car. Yes. but I don't yes. care. I don't care <laughs> about that because that's because what it's for. This is I I I if I if it ever goes out west, I will be ecstatic, and I don't think it ever will. It's probably going to stay in New England its entire life. So. um yeah, so you get so now I have like a I have like a four to something one first gear, a four to something in the diff, which is basically my low range, plus it's an automatic with a torque converter, and then I'm going out to five thirty-eight gears. So I have like a it's like a ninety to one crawl ratio in first gear. Um and so it's actually like it, it pretty crawls good. it yeah. crawls really, really good. It crawls really well. Um and actually, I think it might be better with the 42s, to be honest. I think it might have almost been a little bit too deep with the 39s. Um, I think it's almost better with the 42s. So anyway, so so you get the engine in, you mount it, and it's and it's in there. And uh, the part of the reason that I went with, with Volkswagen is, I mean, aftermarket support. The 1.8T is like this ubiquitous, like... People swap them into like every generation of Volkswagen there ever was. VR6, Dune buggies, all kinds of stuff. Like you could do anything yep. you want with them. And they're the one Audi VR6. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to quite go that far. It's like the, the oh, it's so cool though. It would have been so sick. 
Yeah, but then I got to fit a V6. And, dude, this four-cylinder barely so, fits. Yeah, that I it looks so, like it barely fits. It's actually, it's so they, I forget the exact degree, but funny enough, it's almost there an is, inline there's six. There's two heads. There's two heads, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's like barely a V6. Yeah. So, sure. Yes, maybe that would have <laughs> been cool. But it's a hundred. It's 180 horsepower, and it makes like 173 pound-feet at like 1,700 RPM. So, like... When you're crawling, like it's got all the torque, but then like when you want to like whack like you know five or six thousand RPMs, it's still got some some go behind it, and it 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 really it really has been a good engine. I think um, still kind of dialing it in. I feel and like there's uh, a lot of room for expansion with it, right? Like you can play your turbo size. There is, there is, and uh, to be honest, at this point. Um, I feel like peak horsepower is not what limits me. It's how fast I can get there. You know, like my buddy Reed has got this, uh, he's got an LT, I think it's an, I think it's an LS one, like a true LS one, not like a five, three, hmm. you know, like it, like a Corvette motor or whatever. I'm not a GM motor guy, so I don't know. Yeah. I'm, hopefully I'm not pissing anybody off here, but like, it's like 375 horse, like stock. And like, I watch him and I'm like, bump it. And he like hits the gas and all four reds are lit up. And I'm like, damn, like that's, that thing rips. And like my, my motor just won't do that. But like, look at the size of my buggy. Like I can't fit a V8 in a V8 drive <laughs> in there. Like it's just not True. what it's meant for. <laughs> so, you know, I'm kind of like, and I'm totally in the stage now where I'm like, like looking for those like little, like the, 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 the buggy's built, it's running, it's driving. I love it. And now I'm kind of like looking for those like those little gains, like mm, like I like I know I could have made it up that if I could have like hit it with a little bit more wheel speed. And so I'm looking at stuff like you know like a, a looser torque converter, so I can kind of uh, like uh, the stock converter probably stalls at like 1800 or 2000 or something. And so like I can't two foot it and and get any kind of RPM out of it. Like it just wants to push through the brakes. Whereas if I had little bit of a looser converter i could two foot it a little bit to like you know bring it up to like 2000 2200 or something like that and then kind of like dump it at that point yep. and try to like kind of pop over some stuff like i'm kind of into like that's something i'm looking at or like tuning a lot of tuners are, are saying you know you can get a lot of you, you can bring on the rate at which the power comes on a lot faster with a, a little bit better of a tune so i'm kind of into that that stage with it a little bit right now but it, it really works really really well and uh but so so part of the reason that i went with the volkswagen drivetrain was one the 1.8t like we were just talking about endless options for that to basically make i mean four or five hundred horsepower people are doing that it's like i get on these i get on facebook and it's like every other day there's somebody who's like what do i have to do to make 400 horsepower out of a 1.8t and there's like you know 50 comments with people just saying this is what you have to do it's like not a thing i don't think i'm ever going to try to put 400 horsepower through that drivetrain but um, you have a watt box a what does it have two-step no oh okay i mean it's an automatic <laughs> yeah you can still do it there's a way to there's a way to do it but you have to like i forget how you do this um pretty much you lock the torque converter tricking into thinking oh, it's you in neutral yeah, and well, like you know you, honestly the thing that would really make it badass and, and and i would have to i would skip all of that is if i could figure out how to do a trans break on it that would be the perfect thing but very the, funny story we were just talking could. about trans breaks right before the episode yeah we were talking about uh using a trans break instead of clutch or neutral dropping it right uh, yeah right 100%. like that would probably be 
a little better for the transmission. Eh, I, I think know. it would be significantly better. Yeah. You would, but, there we go. Because you've already so got quick. all that line pressure and everything built up. It's like the transmission is like dying to go, and then you just let it go. Whereas yep. like with, with a neutral drop, you've got like no line pressure. You've You're got like, just, it like hanging it. out yeah. there, and then it's all of a sudden hammer, it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> which ew4s can handle for like you know like a couple dozen times but i don't yeah. most transmissions are not going to tolerate that more than a handful of times you know ram and myself are just sitting over here like you silly pores <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i whenever i'm on a ledge i've got to like feather it the only way because i can't keep i don't have three feet i can't put my foot on the brake and the clutch and the gas at the same time so i'm like if i'm on a ledge and i'm revving up it's literally just clutch like my clutch is my brake right and right, then i let go right, but it's i'm just right. cooking the thing i've never had an issue with one like i'm just using the factory ones they've never had i've never found one pulled apart and been like oh shit i fucked that clutch up uh usually it's oil gets in them and that's what fucks them up not me burning them out for other reasons i mean, I, I mean frankly the four the four liters are such a good motor to just for just a general wheeling rig they really are mm -hmm. no they aren't they blow up yes they are no they're fine well when you buy high twenty dollar ones or random, <laughs> randomly, but they, they really are they're a really solid motor for just like a just a, a get it done wheeling rig man i i almost wanted to build a buggy around one to be honest with you because i'm like it's just such a heavy motor for a buggy it, and, and that's like, why i didn't do it that's why i yeah. didn't do it but i'm like man i had it, i just beat the balls off this thing that makes 190 horsepower like like it does it's got grunt off the line like what it, it really does almost everything that you need it to do I mean, it's not going to make 400 horsepower or whatever, but you know, it it, it really does. It 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 does what it needs it gets to the do. Job done, and it's mostly reliable. Yes, right. Well, if you're in the habit of bouncing off the rim limiter and then replacing the engine that blew up for with 120 dollar engines, I mean, you got to kind of kind of you know be willing to take what you get. But hey, hey. I don't it's take not any a criticism. To that. It's not a, not a criticism. I'm just saying you got to be a little bit willing to kind of, you know. Notice I said me. I don't take any offense to that. Okay, right. Um, right. No, I know what I am, and I've accepted what I am for what I am. Um, but I really want to dive into the meat and potatoes on the rig. How sure. did you? How did you set up your suspension? Uh, and so let me let me i'm gonna i'm gonna back up so one thing that really made me settle on the volkswagen drivetrain outside of all the 1.8t stuff is volkswagen um so if you guys have ever worked on front wheel drive cars you know a lot of a lot of cars they it's like there's like a little uh snap ring kind of like an like an external snap ring and it just kind of like pops into the transmission and it can just kind of like pop in and pop out like when you're servicing it or whatever. Um, the Volkswagen actually has a flange that bolts into their transaxle. So there's a there's like a socket head cap screw with like the just the right, you know, it's it's not like something you buy at the hardware store, but it's it's a really it, it the 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 spider gears in the transaxle are threaded for this this cap screw and so when you bolt the flange on it, it threads right in and and you 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 align the threads up and that and it, it's perfectly captured so it's a really good setup to mount uh 
a, a drive shaft yoke too, where like they, that guy, John Kennedy that I was talking about with his neon buggy, he had to come up with this weird kind of like clamped captured setup with, it almost looked like a disc brake rotor uh, for his front output. Um, because the otherwise, like when the drive shaft droops, it would just pull the output out of the transaxle. So when Volkswagens are, are firmly secured and they're basically one of the only brands I found that, that build their transaxles that way, you can just bolt a a drive shaft right to it and nothing, there's no issues with it. So I had a guy, um, machine out a couple 8.8, um, 48.8, pinion flanges to like Mm -hmm. set perfectly into the Volkswagen, um, drive flanges that the 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 cb shafts would bolt to and uh and then once once you get an 8.8 flange on there you can adapt it to whatever you want it to at that point which for me is is 1310 stuff because i really don't want to break any transaxle parts i would much rather break 1310 drive shaft parts than anything inside my transaxle and and so far at this point that is that's worked out really well for me so um that was the first thing, I guess, outside of just the the sort of uh, endless path that you could go down with a 1.8T to make power and make it standalone, blah, 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 blah. The Volkswagen transaxle also kind of drew me into going down that path. Um, so, and and the, the other thing is, you know, with, with the transaxle, especially with a front seater, is that you, you do... I guess it's it, it's it's really not specific to a front seater, but when you can just have such a lower center of gravity without having the chassis be so much bigger. Um, like if I, I've even thought about because I'm just you know constantly trying to anticipate something that could go wrong. That's just the way my brain works. But like, what if I wanted to adapt it to some sort of like you know more um, traditional drivetrain with an engine and a transfer case and all that. And I, I can't see how I could do it without like totally reworking everything, but thank God it's worked so far. I sent, I sent everything that I made as far as like yokes and flanges and everything. And I bought a set of spare flanges for the transaxle on eBay. And I sent all of it out to get cryo treated at uh fireball heat treating up in Massachusetts. It's um, this guy, Tommy, that's in our club awesome guy he takes care of all of us if you got if anybody needs to get their their shit cryo treated or in new england he's the guy to go to i think everybody around here knows it but just a plug for him because he's he's the man and uh it, it there's a lot of data out there that supports that what he does definitely helps things hold up longer so um so that is super cool information for me um in the in my rig's future, I'm looking at doing coilovers. I might as well just grab an 05 plus and build a different housing. Sure. So when I do that, I will definitely send the gear set out because yep. I should have done that with this rig on this gear set. It, it's it's a it's it's a pretty low cost thing to do. Depending, on, I mean, you know, it can't you, hurt. You, you got you know, it definitely I, it definitely does not hurt. I mean, I. It's somewhat kind of, uh, you know, uh, personal data and everything, but like, you're just personal experience. But like Eugene has sworn that he was he was breaking Toyota third members way more frequently until he started having Tommy cryo them. So and, and, and I believe it. I really believe it. It's, it's sort of like the uh, 
the yin and yang to heat treating. It's like you heat treat it and then you kind of like relieve the stress in the other direction by cryo treating. So it, it, as an engineer, it makes sense to me, but yeah. so that's one area that I have a lot of experience with, and we are going to go down a massive divergence. I actually, here we go. <laughs> no, we're not. We're, no, we're I think not. We might be nearing a wrap up point. When it sounds like Luke I'm has sorry. food in his mouth when he doesn't, you know, it's <laughs> uh, actually, I do have food in my mouth. So oh my god, so you didn't rude. even have the common courtesy to stop chewing? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that was just me being rude. Um, oh my god. Okay. Well, I apologize. We are, we're rapidly approaching three hours, which is fine. Just letting you guys know. Let's no. let's hit this and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so long story short, the when you're talking about heat treatment, the drawdown process is far more important to me than the initial heating process. And I feel like far too many people skip the drawdown process. Uh, which is where you let it sit at like 600 degrees and then you cut the flame temperature back to 400 degrees in order to actually get the crystals in the metal to properly align and want to, uh, for a lack of better term, um, well, I guess alignment would be it, but they, by skipping that process and rushing through it, you end up with a weaker structure overall, even though you're talking about taking a three-hour drawdown and making it into a five-hour drawdown. I feel like it is better to do a five-hour drawdown. Drawdown. Sure. Um, and then especially if you can add cryo-treating on the opposite end of that, that's how you get a significantly stronger part. That's how you can make... 4140 start acting like it's 4150. Sure. All right, that's all I've got for that. So sure. So I guess just then to uh so I've got the transaxle buggy. I did some weird stuff. So I'm I I really want to uh the thing obviously the thing with the transaxle buggy is that you're stuck with four-wheel drive all the time. So um, because I had some horse trading to do with Dan at one point, I ended up with a set of Yukon, um, lockouts at the hardcore, hu hardcore hubs. So I have those on the front. So if I really want to be in two wheel drive, I can just flip the, flip those hubs and it'll be in two wheel drive. But I also really want the capability of being in front wheel drive on the trail for doing digs and stuff like that. So my initial concept with that was, uh, a Dodge Dana 60, uh, you know, they have the, that CAD lockout system. Yep. Yep. So I I tried that and that lasted probably like, you know, a, a half a dozen wheeling runs or so before I had issues because all that stuff is meant to be bathed in lubricant all the time. It's basically meant to be in gear lube all the time. And so I wore out the fork and, and by the, I didn't realize I was wearing out the pads on the fork and then I was wearing out the fork itself. And then all of a sudden I was at Roush and like it wouldn't stay in four wheel drive. And I was like, okay, this is a problem. Yep. So I, I, I built uh, just like an intermediate shaft to just replace all that. And I was like, I'll just revisit it later. So um, I think the next revision of that is going to look like a Toyota um, output shaft. And so there's a, there's a company that makes a, a disconnect uh, yoke for a Toyota transfer case output. I think mm -hmm. um, actually, actually, I think Mike Katrini has one of the, or well, actually it's Bob now. Bob, Bob, or they, so he's got one of those on the, the Samurai transfer case that's on the Taylor's old Samurai that Bob has now. 
so it's basically just like um it's a it's 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 very similar to like what you would see in a transfer case or whatever it's got some wear pads and stuff like that but it's it's just like you can just kind of pop the 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 that fork off of the rear output and um and and disengage it so so uh i have a toyota output trans or transfer gates output that i got from rob conley and i'm you know at some point i'd like they're like five or six hundred bucks by those outputs so i'd like to try to do that at some point sort of re-engineer that that mid shaft to accept that so i can have a front wheel drive um but you know i mean at the end of the day this buggy is kind of a budget build i mean um it's definitely not like the type of thing that's got you know atlas and you can just hammer on it and and i i do worry about you know overloading some of that stuff sometimes but at the end of the day it's like i'm you know that's that's sort of the 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 poison that i've chosen to swallow and and there's there's no getting out of out of the stuff without spending money at some point or another so um that's a bridge to cross when you get there yeah Uh, exactly it's like you know i I, there's um i think um high angle driveline what they had advertised at one point that they're like we'll make any yoke you need to and i'm like all right cool i'll save that link so it's like when i start breaking those volkswagen flanges it's like hey can you see and see me up uh you know like a a a 4340 you know stupid whatever volkswagen like here here here's one here's one can you just (laughs) make me one of these can you make me one of these at a forty-three forty, and then I'll get it cryo treated. Like, is that a thing? Like, can you do that? But honestly, it's held up. It's held up really. Everything has held up really, really well at this point, and um, I'm I'm really happy with it. And uh, so this this winter, I, uh, I I sold the Comanche, and or actually it was in the fall I sold it, and, and that's I I kind of decided that I needed a little bit. I needed to kind of get back into a daily driver that was a little bit more. Uh, practical and less That's something <laughs> something <laughs> something that i did a, a drivetrain swap on and uh <laughs> you know i got some money for it and uh the guy that bought it was really happy and that's cool and everything and and so i turned it into some 42s and and honestly that i i had seen the writing on the wall for that for a while and uh you know it's like where i wheel you know field and forest it's just it's it's getting excavated to be honest with you and i think yep, bob yep. even mentioned that when he was on the podcast and the people you know five years ago it was the the people with 37s were ag- aggravated with the people that had 39s for digging holes and now the people with 39s are aggravated with the people that for that have 42s and 43s are digging holes so mm-hmm. um <laughs> at, at the end of the day it is sort of a you know kind of trying to catch up game or stay on top of it game. Yeah, it's but... an arms race. It's never never ending. Yeah, right? it's exactly. It's an arms race. It's totally an arms race. So yep. and and you know, I got it's 2016 to 2020 2020, 2021 out of the, the 39s. They're still probably worth something, although I'm having trouble selling them, which I'm surprised about. But um you know if I get another five something years out of some 42s and, and, and I, 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 I kind of doubt that BFG is going to come out with something bigger than that anytime soon, but there that's, that's kind of where I'm at for now. And, you know, I'm all my shafts are 4340 and chrome mode and all that stuff. So I'm just kind of hoping everything holds up and I don't have a motor that makes a ton of horsepower and a ton of torque way down low. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's gotta just kind of keep moving. 
and uh, I'm excited to just kind of keep going with everything. And I've already started thinking about what I want to do next. I don't have any solid ideas about it. Um, actually, the next thing that I'll probably do is build a kid's buggy. And I have some ideas about that, too. But, uh, you know, I'm, I still got a few years before I worry about that. But Fair enough. Yeah. Really? The kids buggy stuff is always kind of cool because it's so small. They're so, so little. Cool. So cool. <laughs> that'll be, so, that'll be um, fun. A good change of pace. Yeah, Nate Nate Gilbert. I'm sure his name has come up on your podcast before. Um, just super talented dude. Just really really smart and really talented and and also just like like super humble about all of it. Um. He he has uh he's his son I think is like ten or eleven and a few years ago he started building him a buggy and it's got like samurai axles and like a Honda ATV transmission and a samurai transfer case and hy- hydraulic steering. It's, the thing is so freaking cool. It is so freaking cool. I should say, I, like on that on our our thread I'll send you guys some videos of the thing driving and like. He just loves it, and he's like driving <laughs> up some like blue trails at Field and Forest, just like, you know, like <laughs> and Nate's like pushing on the side of the chassis to get it. Oh, it's just like it's so cool. Like I want to yeah. be out there doing that with you know. I hope I hope my daughter wants to do that, and you know, I think I hope I have some influence over that. But like I want to do that, and like we we have a little bit of property here, and not a ton. We got like an acre, a little over an acre. Like I want to build a little thing through the woods and she can drive that around and so like i really uh, that's that's the next thing that i want to do for sure is and and, you know i have some some ideas and uh but i'm looking forward to doing that too so oh yeah hell yeah um so i gotta ask you know we're getting close to closing time you got any questions for us um I don't know if I have any questions for you guys. I, 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 I've listened to a handful of your guys' podcasts, and I, I, I really like what you're doing. I think it's, even if it's, if, if it's sort of like a, you know, it's, it's a New England. I mean, I, have you had, I, to be honest with you, I, I haven't been way up on it. Is it mainly kind of like a New England centrist or centric thing? No, East Coast. They- Vaguely Just East Coast kind of vaguely thing. East Coast. Yeah. We have right. West Coast people on. Like we're not like biased towards having them on, but there's a lot of West Coast off-roading podcasts already. And there's yeah. not sure. I don't think sure. there's any New England off-road. Maybe no, there are built for the East. Uh, mm-hmm. But they don't record too too often. Those ones are a riot. Yeah. Uh, but there's just not a lot of like coverage for the little buggy guys who are out here, and there's some cool shit. Wow. So we uh, do. And- we do do some of the guys from out west who are like girls because we can't, you know, Crazy K's. She was awesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, they have to have like a, a specific story that we are interested in sharing with our our listeners. Sure. Like we'll we'll handpick them, but like the guys who are like, dude, you should talk to this guy. If there was some random West Coast dude, sorry, West Coast guys, but like if somebody said that, I'd be like, okay, I don't care. Like who's that dude? Like what what is what is his special thing? We're out here. We're like, oh fuck it, yeah, we've seen that guy. We know of him. Like let's bring him on. That yeah, kind of it's it's happened. like just grabbing people, people, friends of people we know, or just people in the area, right? It's just cool to network with with other yeah. people yeah. in New England. And cool it's people not in cool New England, idea. so we've expanded sort of to like Tennessee, Georgia, and there's some really cool guys in that area too. Yep. Uh, so it's just it's fun meeting people's fun, talking to people's fun. Yeah, 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 and it's like we're all doing the same thing at the end of the day. 
Yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your intentions are and your budget is and your skill is and whatever, you know, we're all, uh, we're all out here to just, you know, try to drive up some rocks. Yep. All right. And, End of the day. Every, <laughs> so, every, everybody has a lot of different ways of, of getting there and doing that. And, uh, I appreciate all of it. So, so last question before we close it out, hit us yep. with some dad advice, dad. Yeah. Dad advice. Uh, You're always my favorite, by the way. What? What's your favorite? Dad advice. The I don't know why. Dad, dad too so, often. So I've, I've, some cool I've been a dad for about like four and a half months now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say uh, sleep as much as possible before you have kids. That's probably <laughs> number one. Just, just like get it all in. Like, you don't, don't, don't trick yourself into thinking that you'll. Uh, be able to catch up on that, but um, just appreciate it because that doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. Unless you can get your kid to fall asleep with you, which does happen occasionally, but nothing you should count on. <laughs> um, Got that right. Yeah, that that's probably the number one thing. Uh, come back at come back at me with uh, right now. She's she's not portable. You know, she's just kind of doing. Or, you know, she's just kind of. Uh, it's like she's just kind of at the mercy of whatever we set her down on and uh, give her to eat and whatever. I uh, bring me back in a month, and I bet a, or, or a year. I mean, and I I bet I'll have a lot more uh, a lot more thoughts on that front. Hmm. Child, well, everything, and then child right, proof to child proofing. Right now, it's basically just like. Make sure she's not hungry. Make sure that she's sleeping, and make sure she doesn't have a dirty diaper. And uh, oh. and then just like smile at her and make weird weird faces, and she's and, and she loves it. So um, <laughs> it's it's a lot of work to do all of those things, but uh, I expect that that work is going to sort of turn into something else that's probably a lot more tasking in the next year. But yeah, you'll figure I'm that ready out. for it. I'm ready for it. She she came to Field and Forest with us this past weekend, and she did absolutely fantastic. She loves being outside. She is just like a really sweet little baby, and uh, and I'm I'm sitting right here right now, crossing my fingers that if we ever have another one, she'll be like this because she just she loves people. She loves being outside. She loves watching. Um, so. If if you're into this stuff and you have a baby like that, I think you're doing pretty good. I feel yeah. very <laughs> sweet. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, so uh, I will Luke, take it, it on out. If you guys are good with that, we are. Take us. All out. right. So then, on that note, if you're going to have a kid, make sure that you have cryo treated your a Volkswagen. <laughs> um, half shafts and transaxle parts, so that way when you are laying up at night. Because you can't sleep with the kid, your axle parts are not going to keep you up. You have that peace of mind. <laughs> Nothing beats that peace of mind, baby. <laughs>